have before us the opportunity to forge for ourselves and for future generations a new world order, a world where the rule of law, not the law of the jungle, governs the conduct of nations. When we are successful, and we will be, we have a real chance at this new world order, an order in which a credible United Nations can use its peacekeeping role to fulfill the promise and vision of the UN's founders. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, the chair is against the wall. John has a long mustache. <laughs> the revolution has begun. You are listening to the Animal Farm here on the Revere Radio Network. It is January 4th, 2008, the day after the Iowa Coxes. I am your host, Ben Miller, and I'm hanging here with my uh, buddies, Tony Pax. Hello, Ben. And uh, we got Pyeth on the soundboard. Hello. So it is at the night after the Iowa Coxes. And we'll be discussing the uh, the fallout from that, and as always, we'll have the uh, typical crazy news that we all know and hate. And uh, as you all know, Mike Suckabee did win the Iowa caucuses as well as Barack Obama, and uh, Ron, Ron Paul did very well. Wrong. So uh, he got 10% of the vote. Uh, but before, before we get into that, I want to uh, give a, a quick activist alert here. We have uh, mm. a nationwide boycott right now of all Fox News sponsors. And uh, this is this is in response to the Fox News refusing to uh, let Ron Paul into their cushy little country club style debate <laughs> or uh, discussion, as they call it. Um, but uh, we're, we're probably going to uh, play that clip in, in a little bit of uh, Bill O'Reilly sort of explaining that. Um, do you want to do that now, Tony, or do you, or do you want me to list the the sponsors? Why that don't you? Should... Yeah, list the sponsors. We could actually list them afterwards as well. But why don't you list the sponsors first, and then I'll I'll dig up that clip because it's uh, you know usual Fox News stuff where. You know, uh, not, nothing new, Ron Paul not being invited to speak at this eh, really not huge event, but just the, the issue that's going on, really. Well, it's, a, it's a good chance for him to boost his numbers at the last second, you know? Yeah, I mean, every, every little bit helps, and there's really no reason why he shouldn't be involved. I mean, he's uh, he's raising an incredible amount of money, and we'll get to the record set there and, and all the, the financial, um, you know, accomplishments that Ron Paul has, has made and has had through the support, but... You know, uh, Bill O'Reilly now talking to someone. But why don't you list the sponsors and then we'll okay. I'll list the sponsors and then I'll, g- I'll give you guys a little activist trip that I uh, a little trick that I heard about. Uh, the the sponsors are Crest White Strips. Oh, don't buy that. Uh, I don't buy them anyway. Delphi, uh, Mercedes Benz. Uh, I, can't I can't afford Mercedes Benz, so it doesn't really matter. <laughs> Comcast, okay. which is probably you don't many people don't even have a choice about that. <laughs> yeah, true. Subaru, uh, GMC SV- SUVs. Uh, don't buy at Best Buy. That's a tough one. No, I actually like Best Buy, but okay, <laughs> I'll, like, I'll, I like Best I'll Buy hold too. off. <laughs> but I'll hold off too. Travelocity. Okay. Capsaicin. Maybe some type of drugs. I'm, uh, I'm sure. I, I'm gonna. I was actually gonna ask you where are all the drugs? Because every time I yeah. put on Fox News, it's it's some other drug where you know like chronic eye syndrome and restless leg nonsense. Drugs yep. and alcohol. There's right, new George. phase. There's Orbitz. There's Ditech.com. There's Elon.com. Uh, Dawn, uh, as in the the dishwashing soap. Toyota. <laughs> 
Centrum, the old people vitamin. I actually uh, own a, I own a Toyota, but what am I supposed to do? <laughs> oh, oh my God. God, Hillary, how'd you get involved? <laughs> Nextel, vhicks.com, uh, Gold Bomb, Gold Bond, Asper Cream, WebMD, uh, American Express, Holiday Inn Express. Professional and Priceline.com. Uh, did, did you get all that, folks? Hopefully you did. I mean, the, the, the moral of the story is, yeah, we're, we're, we're trying to get back at Fox News for all the stuff that they're pulling here and just don't don't support them. And don't. Me, yeah, and, and a little hint. Um, if you write Fox News, if you write Fox News a letter and, and you sort of explain to them your concern and their inability to, to uh, run things fairly and, you know, be a, a, a fair and balanced political channel, if you write them a letter and you tell them, you know, Listen, I'm really concerned. A nice, polite letter, and, and just say, you know, I'm concerned uh, with your content, and then, you know, uh, and you write them uh, at each one of their sponsors. If you write them an actual letter, their PR departments actually have a policy where they, for every letter that they get, they count that as a hundred people not buying their product. Really? Oh, really? Is that yeah. that's the system so that that's, they use? That's kind of the formula that that, that PR or that HR uh, systems kind of takes. So one one person, if you write them an angry letter. You're you're literally uh, you know according to them maybe that's not the truth but according to them you're uh, you're getting a hundred people not to buy their products yeah and, and if nothing else the thing that probably upsets me the most about what Fox News does and any anchor or any guest that they have on their program or programs it's always this um, well Ron Paul's not going to win anyway so it doesn't matter type stuff and granted I mean he's certainly not the front runner and and I don't think anybody expects him to you know, to win the uh, the nominee much less the actual presidency but uh, he's got a chance I mean it's legitimate that he has a chance he's raised a lot of money and he's got a lot of support yeah. so he has I'm, like ten times more of a chance than he ever had before and right. it's just it's the the more that people are saying he doesn't have a chance he doesn't have a chance the more people are saying all right you know you're the one that's saying that he doesn't have a chance you're on the mainstream media you're a liar yeah. you know it's like every time bill o'reilly says oh ron paul doesn't have a chance people out there say no that bill riley's a flat-out liar and they say yeah. oh really this person doesn't have a chance huh let me go look at their website let me go and see what they're all about and that's yeah. that's a lot you know, I, I read a great article not too long ago called uh, uh, "A Message to Mainstream Media: Please Ignore Ron Paul," where uh, the yeah. person had found out about Ron Paul because the mainstream media had said, "You're never going to win. You're never right. going to win." And, and if he and if he if he indeed has so little or so you know no chance at all to win the presidency or the nominee, then how come all of the mainstream media uh, they're so threatened by Ron Paul? Why they why do they attack him so much? But nevertheless, I want to get to this clip. I'm not going to play the whole thing. Um, but it's the Bill O'Reilly show talking about how Duncan Hunter and Ron Paul weren't, uh, you know, invited to the debate here. He's evil. As long as we continue to do better, our numbers grow, we will continue our efforts. Fox News says no to Ron Paul and Duncan Hunter in the Chris Wallace run debate on Sunday. We'll tell you why. Impact segment tonight with the political season now blooming. Each day is likely to bring a new controversy. This coming Sunday, Fox News anchor Chris Wallace will be interviewing most of the Republican candidates in a round-robin display. However, Congressman Ron Paul and Congressman Duncan Hunter will not appear because their national poll numbers are low. And Wallace just has so much time. But both Paul and Hunter will appear on January 10th in the Fox-sponsored South Carolina debate when the airtime and format are different. Joining us now from Washington is a Ron Paul supporter, Nick Gillespie, editor of and chief, I I'll, should I'll say. Play the beat. I'll play a little bit of the, the interview here. Reason the Magazine, thing. a libertarian publication. Now... The explanation, and if I were Chris Wallace, I'd do the same thing. He's only got it a certain amount of time. It's not a debate <laughs> format. It's basically Wallace zeroing in on the guys that have, you know, are least competitive. Paul's at 4% nationally. Hunter about 1%. Did you say or are at least competitive? 
are the least competitive. Are the, he, are the least competitive. He's getting percent. rid of the people that so are the least competitive. So it wasn't personal. It's uh. just poll-driven. Do you accept that explanation? Yeah, sure. No. You know, and I also think it's more important no, okay. to recognize that Fox News Channel owns its airwaves and it should be able to broadcast what it wants. Where they're missing is the fact is that Ron Paul is pulling about nine percent in Iowa. He's doing better than uh, Rudy Giuliani there, and he's doing better than uh, Fred Thompson in New Hampshire. There's something about this guy. He has pulled together people as wide ranging as punk rockers like Johnny Rotten, uh, soft rock singers like Barry Manilow. There's a group called Strippers for Ron Paul. Yeah, okay, yeah. And then he goes on to name many of the groups, and there are some pretty. Uh I'm not going to use the word radical, but pretty, you know, interesting group supporting Ron Paul, and I think that's a great thing. Strippers for Ron Paul. We I mean, got to get somebody. We got to get somebody yes! from strippers. I think for we Ron should Paul actually have show. a guest on. I mean, not, not to serve our male impulse, but just just to keep <laughs> things fair and balanced. No, no, no. But uh, and, and and there is, you know, there is that nice gleam of ho- hope there that, uh, um, you know, indeed Ron Paul is beating uh, Adolf Gulagiani, as it were. And I, Ben, I I, I got to talk again when when the show that we had. Yep. <laughs> okay. The show that we had um, where you actually called and it was actually just me doing the show alone. I did talk about Giuliani and we'll get to him maybe in the next segment where you know his campaign is really built around this whole idea that he's Mr. Terror, Mr. 9-11. And his new campaign ad, it's a legitimate campaign ad, um, is baffling. But right now I think we have a caller calling in. Caller, can you hear us? Hello? Hello. Yes, yeah, speaking. Hello. Hey, what's going on, Ben? How you doing? Tony. Hey, what's, what's up? up? Hello? Hello. Hello, hey, Pius. Hey, when I hang up, flush the toilet. Okay. The sound. <laughs> All right. Right. You, you got hey, it. I just want to say it's, uh, it's great we made double digits in Iowa for uh, Ron, Ron Paul? Paul. Yes. It really broke my heart to see Huckabee win. Yeah. Me too. Uh, but... You look all, all over the, the radio. I listen to Sean Hannity. I live in a small place where that's one of the only radio shows we get here on the AM. And, uh, all he's talking about is the Hillary campaign, and uh, I caught a glimpse of Ron Paul on there, on uh, on the radio show, and he he made Sean Hannity look stupid. I don't know if you heard that. Yeah, actually I we did, did and I, yep. I'm glad you brought that up. First of all, I didn't catch your name. Go ahead. What's your name? Oh, I'm sorry, Mike. Oh, Mike. Sorry. Um, Where are you calling from, Mike? Uh, Los Banis, uh California. Oh, excellent. Nice. Glad you joined us, Mike, and, and I'm glad you brought that up. Actually, we do have the Hannity-Ron Paul uh, interview, and, and I think what the point you were trying to make, and which is spot on, when ha- when uh, Hannity talks about Ron Paul when Ron Paul's not there, it's always attacking Ron Paul for this or that and trying to make him look foolish. But uh, in the interview, and we will play it after we uh, get off the phone with you, Mike, maybe next segment too, uh, Ron Paul has his, has his way with Sean Hannity and kind of makes him into a little teddy bear. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. yeah. He, he talked very good. He was kind of a... Uh Insulting in a nice way, the way he said, "Oh, you have some conservative ideas." <laughs> yeah. You know? Well, hey, Sean but I'm Hannity gonna let you guys go and listen and listen to the show. I got to call on the other line. Mike, thanks for the call. The uh, definitely call us back next show. Appreciate it, and yeah, we will I play will. that clip. Thanks again. Keep doing what you're doing. Bye. Right, take care. Well, yeah, Mike's, Thank you. Mike's definitely Goodbye. got a, a point. You got to flush the toilet because he yeah, just, yeah, we got to do a toilet flush for yeah. Mike. Thank yeah, you, Mike. <laughs> well, he's got a really good point when he talks about. Uh, when he talks about the, the whole Ron Paul, Sean Hannity thing. I mean, Sean Hannity was kissing his ass, man. It, it's you know, it, it, again, because, it, you know what? It's money. He gets twenty million dollars, and Sean Hannity wants a little piece of that action. It's you know, again, it's hard to argue with a guy who's legitimately conservative uh, when you're trying to tout yourself as a conservative, not a neocon. And I want to play, I want to play. This is again out of 770 WABC, and I love WABC as far as a talk radio show. 
uh, certain shows, I should say. Yeah. But just, just, and every time, and we've played so many clips from Hannity and Combs and Hannity's radio show. Hannity always starts off an interview with Ron Paul as, oh man, every time I go somewhere, no matter where it is, it's always these Ron Paul fans in my face. He's always crying, you know? But sure enough, um, and, and this, the same thing happened in this interview. And for some reason, I tried to get it on uh, YouTube, but apparently I think it may have gotten taken off. So I will look for that clip, and we will play that, Ben, because I do want to show people at least the first couple minutes let's of this interview. Out, it's hysterical. Let's give out our number again Go so uh, people can people can give a, more calls in. Uh, we got uh, our number is 914-613-3166. Give us a call. That number again is 914-613-3166. And check out uh, our website, animalfarmshow.com, and you can also drop us in, uh, an IM on America Online IM, which is Animal Farm Show. That's our uh, screen name, all one word. And uh, you could also drop us a Skype line, Animal Farm Show, all one word. So. Yeah, absolutely, Ben. And we totally forgot to, to announce that. Our podcasts are up, folks. Uh, check out our our website and you know we're, we're getting there and our website's thanks to, to Ben and Pyeth I should say our website really is looking great and you guys have done a, a wonderful job so uh, I appreciate that Thank and you. I think uh, it really does help the show out and uh, thanks again for the call Mike and I actually think I do have the clip now I'm I'm fairly uh, certain it's 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 here, so we'll try to get. All right, as we continue Sean Hannity show live from uh, Des Moines, the uh, caucus obviously coming up tomorrow, and we've got the best election coverage available on your radio dial. Now look, wherever I go, it doesn't matter where. Oh, and by the way, there are some dudes in the background. I guess they're you know big Ron Paul supporters. They're talking over the show. Just don't mind them. There they are, the Ron Paul supporters. Here we are. Signs. Uh, and he is now here with us live Hello. in Des Moines. How you doing? Doing fine, thank you. Well, it's good to see you. Uh, the yeah. last time we were on Hannity and Combs, so you and I had a little disagreement over over the Iraq war issue, and people were acting like, well, you were unfair to Ron Paul. You didn't think I was unfair well, to we, you, did well, you? the disagreement was over who was winning the polls, remember? You denied that. <laughs> and we, I'm sorry to interrupt, we did play that clip uh, you know, several shows ago. The, the clip was after one of the debates, and, and the big controversy there was... Um, yeah, they were talking about the war and and how Ron Paul feels a certain way about the war. But then well, that's that's the thing. Sean Hannity is such a rude bastard. He doesn't even he know was, when he's being rude. Well, he talks over a lot of people, and and, it's, and a lot yes. of talk show hosts actually do that. And it is it is tough to you know difficult, uh, easy actually to fall into that trap. But it's difficult to uh, to you know when you're talking, you know you want to get your point. Someone else gets their point, and it's easy to step on someone. And I give him credit for that. Fine, but the big controversy was. Um, Based on the poll that Fox News had out there, you can call them with your cell phones, text in with your cell phone. And the poll, <laughs> the polls, you know, Ron Paul was winning Fox News's poll, so everybody, you know, Hannity was, you know, up in arms about polls that. Polls weren't accurate. They were your polls, I, and I they, won them. No, they weren't a poll. What it was is people calling in, and anybody can oh, call in. Oh, those it, was, it was just basically people calling in, and we set a tally, <laughs> yeah. and we just figured out how many people yeah. called in. Yeah, the, and the, then the, we just kept track and then announced it on yeah. TV, but it wasn't a poll. Yeah. <laughs> the four. <laughs> I've never seen such yeah. It wasn't even like a CNN poll or a CNBC. I mean, this is Fox News' poll, and, you know, I guess the, the eight dozen uh, Ron Paul supporters in the world, I guess they were really, you know, working full-time that night. <laughs> yeah, ha, ha, ha. Now, I'm not denying you have a lot of supporters out there, but you and I do have a fundamental disagreement. It doesn't mean I don't like you. There are a lot of things we do agree on. 
Yeah, you have a little, a couple conservative viewpoints. So, I mean, if you're, a strict, if you're a strict constitutionalist, you should agree with me on everything. Before we go any further, if you don't win this primary process and get the Republican nomination, will you run third party? I have no plans to do that. You have no plans. And there's another thing Ben asked that question a hundred times. And he asked this. He asked this exact question during that same interview. I'm not exactly sure, and maybe I'm just being naive, or maybe I'm a little uh, slow or whatever, but I don't understand the purpose of this question. Ron Paul, if you don't get the nominee, will you support Giuliani because he's under the Republican name? Like, what is the point of this question? I don't understand. Well, you know what the point of the question is? And actually, it's very, very it, it, smart. It, it's Pius, probably genius, Pius yeah. Had said this uh had said this to me when we were talking on it. On it, off of air, and yes, Pyeth actually does have a real voice for people that don't know. One day, folks, we might <laughs> we, we're trying to convince Pyeth to have a microphone. One day, yeah. it may happen, but don't keep your hopes One up. One day, but we were talking about this, and, and Pyeth had basically had had said something really smart, yes. and had 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 said something along the lines of Ron Paul can literally just go to any Republican and say, "Hey, you you're going to have me as your vice president, or I'm going to run as a third party candidate and take all your votes." <laughs> well, so basically, just really just sticking it to him. And, and yeah, uh, absolutely. I mean, but you know, but, but again. And to keep pushing this question, and again, we have to play this clip because we're getting far off the course here. But you support whoever the winner is? Not necessarily, not unless they adopt a foreign policy that I can approve of. But they all disagree with no, you on the war in Iraq. Well, remember George Bush uh, ran on my foreign policy, or we ran on the same foreign policy in the year 2000. But the world changed. You're talking about not having nation. Yeah, building. but the Constitution hasn't changed. No, but but the world has changed, and you've got to adapt to the different national security challenges one faces. No. Well, no, not really. I mean, you no. I think you don't have to adopt after nine. No, I think, no. no, I think the founders' advice about staying out of entangling alliances applies today. But if the 9/11 Commission report says that they were at war with us for nearly a decade, if you go back to the Kobar towers, the bombings at, at the embassies, and, and I think this has been this is when Ron Paul makes a good response here. Yeah, he uh, has a good response here, and I think this is when he softens up Sean Hannity himself here. Kenya and Tanzania. If you look at the USS Cole. And the 9-11 Commission investigates why we were vulnerable the way we were. And they conclude they were at war with us. We weren't at war with them. It's not smart yeah, to defend but, yourself in that war. But the 9-11 Commission report also said that uh, the reason they were at war with us is because we were over there. We had a base in Saudi Arabia. So we're to blame for the 9-11 attack? No, we're to blame the people who, who do the attacks have to be blamed, not the American people. But, but, but our policy, but, if our policies are such that we invade a country, yes, that's bad policy, but you didn't invade them, I didn't invade them, but our policymakers invade these countries and bomb these countries, well, why shouldn't they react in a way that uh, they think is in their own You've, you've, you've got to look at the entire history. It was Saddam Hussein who invaded an innocent country, Kuwait. It was Saddam Hussein. Yeah, this is okay. This is Sean Hannity going back into old age uh, textbook stuff. So, which so makes here no we talk about anymore. this is politics 101. This is, this is human nature 101, okay? If we put our people over in their country, are they going to like us or are they going to hate us? It depends very, on what we're doing, I think. If, it if doesn't even actions, matter what we're doing. We could just have people over there yeah. in, in army uniform. How the hell are they You know what I mean? Whether, whether any of you believe me or not is regardless when I say. That if armed troops from another country came into my town, you bet your ass I'm gonna fight, and there's no chance I would win. But that's not the point. Yeah. Well, I don't was, like someone else interfering with my business. It was Henry Kissinger that had said, you know, and I can't to, today. Yeah. Today, if down if troops were to enter downtown, or if United Nations troops were to enter downtown L.A., people would be angry. But tomorrow they might be grateful if there were a threat. Quote, right. real or promulgated. Yeah. And that's something that I hardy har har. I want to play a couple more uh, seconds of this though. Who 
wanted to take control of the world's oil supplies, which would put our national security in jeopardy. We did take him out of Kuwait. We did have a ceasefire. We did have 17 resolutions. He didn't abide by them. But back to the 9-11 report, which you cited, they also said the reason they attacked us was because we were over there. So they made my point, and that's no. what people fail to re realize. But, uh, but that sounds yes. very... So we're not to have anything to do with the Middle East? We should have a lot less to do. We should trade with well, people. Well, I agree with that, with people. actually. Oh, and, <laughs> Sean Hannity just agreed with Ron Paul on the, the point there. And uh, besides, yes. where are you going to get the money? Right, well, you folks can check this clip out. I don't want to dwell on this too much. Ron Paul on Sean Hannity's radio show is the title of it. It came, it came right out of Al Alex Jones's Truth News, but it's also on YouTube, so you, you can all check it out for yourselves. But the point of the matter is, is you know, when a host and I got to give Hannity credit, he did have him on the show. Um, you know, when a host talks to Ron Paul, it's hard to to really disagree with many of his points, even if you're from a, a different you know political standpoint, because a lot of it does make sense. Well, you know, you have Hannity on there, and I think at this point, you you get Ron Paul on your show to have ratings. You know, I that's think, the other thing too. <laughs> yeah, um, but true. you know, they're always uh, a lot of the neocons constantly bring the, the, this up with uh, United Nations and, and Saddam being in violation of 16, you know, UN uh, rules or whatever the hell they are, and, and but they don't, they never talk about the fact that you know Israel was freaking had like literally double the amount of of uh, UN violations as as Saddam, and yeah. they were never invaded, and we also have more, had more you know violations of UN resolutions than than Iraq as well. So using that that point is just completely moot. It's just yeah, well, people, the same no people sense. who bring up those points, the same people who bring up the points about, oh, he violated UN resolutions, are the same people who refuse to research or believe that, you know, we once were friends with Saddam Hussein. We basically put him into power and uh, the same people and who... gave him chemical weapons. The same, yeah, the same people who... gave him who, the nod of approval to use them. Right, and the same people who refuse that the United States has ever been involved with terrorism or funding terrorism. And it's, unfortunately, I, I hate to admit it, but it is true and it happens. And if if you don't want to believe it, then fine, and don't believe it. I don't, I don't know what else to tell you. I'm not here to, you know, I'm certainly not the smartest guy in the world, but uh, it's true. And when we get back, folks, I want to talk about Adolf Gulagiani, Jack Blood's uh, coin phrase. <laughs> Listen to the Animal Farm Radio Show on Revere Radio Network. of the media. Who can you trust? Just when you think there is no hope alive, you find out that there is an alternative news source to turn to. Revere Radio Network, keeping the dream of sovereignty and freedom alive for all. Revere Radio Network. The views and opinions expressed in the following broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Revere Radio Network, Rob Revere, or any other host on the network. They are the personal thoughts and feelings of the host given the presentation. We support total free speech here at Revere Radio Network, even when it's ugly. 
Enjoy. Hey, you're listening to Revere Radio Network. Stay tuned. If you want to give us a call here at the Animal Farm, dial 914-613-3166. Yeah, go ahead and finish up. Finish up! America is a great nation, but all great nations stumble at times. Our economy is weak. Our national borders are ignored. The cost of health care continues to rise. Our troops are spread too thin. Taxes are too high. Great nations stumble, but great nations do stand again. And so will America. We have the answer. God gave us freedom. Our forefathers gave us the Constitution. There is hope for America. We have Ron Paul. I'm Ron Paul, and I approve this message. All right, folks, welcome back to the Animal Farm Radio Show on Revere Radio Network. I'm your host, Tony Pax, here with Ben Miller and Paya from the soundboard. And I have to apologize. I forgot, I think I forgot to announce that we will be having our legal correspondent and beloved friend, Charles Ratner. He will be uh, with us in studio. In fact, he's with us in studio now, but in the second hour, we're going to have him on. And in full force, plenty to talk about. We've simply scratched the surface. Uh, I, most of you know the caucus was yesterday, and we want to talk a little bit more about that. But I gotta tell you, I, I do. Uh, I want to touch uh, upon my favorite, Rudy Giuliani. Hmm. When uh, and so for those of you who actually listen to the show, uh, when I did the show solo and Ben called in, you know the big article that came out uh, that previous day and uh, was covered by plenty of news sources, you know, Rudy Giuliani having ties to terrorism, actual, you know, tangible links to terrorism. Uh, and, and the bottom line is that, you know, if you've listened to Giuliani speak, and the point that I brought up on that show, if you listen to his speeches and a lot of things that he says during the campaign uh, trail and debates, it's always, you know, touting terrorism. He's always using terrorism, uh, right or wrong, he's using terrorism for his own political gain and to fund his campaign, so to speak. So I, I think it's foolish, uh, In my, it's my opinion, that it's, it's you know extremely foolish, but nevertheless, he does this. And I want to play the first campaign commercial that I heard, which oh was during gosh. that show. This is, this is the old one, Ben. This is like, the, if this is... You know, if this is PG-13, the one that came out recently has got to be Triple X. Because the, the new campaign commercial is blatantly ridiculous. But you this have to understand, and people have to understand quick before you play that. It's just, he gets he gets money for this. He gets money for talking like this. And he gets money from military contractors, and he gets has yeah. friends in the military industrial complex that he gets money for, for talking like this. And whenever he talks about 9-11, he gets a, he, he pays, he, I think he made something like $30 million dollars. Uh, since 9/11, speaking at places, so he's he's the terrorism person. He gets money off of this. Yeah, and and you know, and again, this is his thing. This is the way he that he chooses to you know roll with his campaign, so to speak. But, scumbag. And, and well, you know, th- this is his thing. And I want to play the first campaign commercial. I believe this was released about pieces of film about a month and a half ago. Thanks, <laughs> thank you, Alex. I remember back to the 1970s and the early 1980s. Iranian mullahs took American hostages, and they held the American hostages for 444 days. And they released the American hostages in one hour. And that should tell us a lot about these Islamic terrorists that we're facing. The one hour in which they released them was the one hour in which Ronald Reagan was taking the oath of office as president of the United States. The best way you deal with dictators, what? the best way you deal with tyrants and terrorists. Oh, my. What a <laughs> scumbag. No, okay, well. 
Fight, you right, gotta stop playing that. Like, you know, it, it, fin- it finishes. Okay, so and after he, after hearing that campaign, I mean, this was a couple of days before the news came out. After hearing that, I was like, okay, you know, that that's his bag. You know, he was Mister Nine Eleven, and he even calls himself that. Okay, I understand he's taking that route as if there's nothing else going and on in this country. The, the donations he gets for nine dollars and eleven cents. Yeah, oh, good lord. Um, but then <laughs> then of course there was the article coming out about. Um, you know, Giuliani's ties to terrorism, and it was covered by Keith Oberman. Good evening, this is Wednesday, November 342 days until the 2008 presidential election. It is a startling and potentially ruinous revelation for Rudolph Giuliani. Our fifth story on the countdown, there are countless what-ifs about 9-11. Hundreds of events, maybe thousands of lives. Any one of which, if just altered slightly, might have preempted the attacks. But this one involves a man identified tonight as a close business associate of Mr. Giuliani's. A man accused of having harbored in, then helped 9-11 mastermind Khalid Sheikh Mohammed escape from the Gulf nation of Qatar hours before the arrest or that would have been affected by an FBI team. The war on terror candidate looking tonight a lot more like the ties to terror candidate. <laughs> All right, so it goes on, and we, we already covered this. I don't want to dwell on it too much, but you know, if that wasn't bad enough, and you guys can you know Google that yourself, just type in really Giuliani's ties to terror, and there's plenty of articles coming out about that. But if, is, if that wasn't bad enough, and if that didn't tarnish his campaign enough, Giuliani's new campaign ad is above and beyond anything I've ever seen from a candidate ever. I know we're living in the you know the the days it of terrorism. Like, this I'm it, sitting here. I'm looking at Tony. I'm just I'm just shaking my head. I, I showed this. Like, yeah, I'm freaking speechless yeah, about this. I, folks, I showed this to uh, all of our. You know our co-hosts and all the people in the studio before the show, and and, and literally, I think Ben almost vomited on himself. It's it's, it it's so disgusting. Bit in my mouth. A tiny it, bit in my mouth. Yeah, if you, if you go to um, YouTube, just type in Giuliani targets apocalypse voters and new campaign ad, or just try to check out the new Giuliani uh, campaign ad. There's plenty of versions of it, but I'll play you the audio of this campaign ad. But you really can't get the full brunt of it unless you <laughs> see the visuals behind it. If you see the little kids, you know, dressed up as terrorists or whatever they're dressed up as, to really try to hit the message. Home, but this is it. This is literally. This is not a joke. This is literally Giuliani's yep, new this campaign. Is this is real. <laughs> An enemy without borders, hate without boundaries, a people perverted, a religion betrayed, a nuclear power in chaos, madmen bent on creating it, leaders assassinated, democracy attacked, and Osama bin Laden still making threats. In a world where the next crisis is a moment away, America needs a leader who's ready. I'm Rudy Giuliani, and I approve this message. Oh, shame. Mr. Giuliani, shame on you. You are as guilty as sin to begin with having ties for terrorism. I'm not going to go into the 9-11 stuff because if any of you out there think that Giuliani really you know, was the hero of 9-11 and saved the city... I would suggest doing a lot more research Holy than that, crap. and don't even start with the uh, the evidence shipped off to China to be melted down. Let's start way before that. I am Rudy Giuliani, and yeah. my family hates me. Yeah, I am Rudy Giuliani. Yeah, and I and I hate America, Rudolf Giuliani. So these people aren't patriots. I mean, this this campaign ad is is nothing more than just a huge scare tactic, uh, to put it real lightly. And I just figured I would share it with you folks. And well, you, one of the you things you were, in. one of the things you were talking about about Rudy Rudolf Giuliani in, uh, before and his ties to terrorism. And that's just it's that's not uh, people people get really surprised about that. But uh, little people know how uh, how close of Bush is tied to terrorism Absolutely. and how Bush's father was literally sitting in the in the Ritz Carlton hotel on nine yeah. eleven with the bin Laden family. 
I mean, there's this the show is called Animal Farm for a reason because in in the movie Animal Farm, in the book Animal Farm, it shows how the the leaders of the two factions, the humans and the pigs, end up end up getting together and basically ruling together over the over the poor uh, peons right. that they have working for them. And you hear the audio clip at the beginning of the show. Who has the milk and apples? Exactly. <laughs> Who guess who's got them, folks? <laughs> who's got those milk and those apples? So so the show is called Animal Farm for a reason. Uh, Rudolph Giuliani is a pig, and uh, yeah, and, and the terrorists are are the other faction that right. they're in I bed with. Told you I was a pig. <laughs> so. Great clip, Python. I I definitely want to get Charles Ratner's opinion on this specific campaign ad, but more than that, I want to get his opinion on. Um, a lot of things, not the least of which is Hillary Clinton's campaign, which is another campaign going in the in the gutter, to my <laughs> surprise. I mean, not, not to say, I mean, there's still plenty of game left, but my goodness, folks, Giuliani's campaign. I, to me, this is a desperate, desperate act, one kind of last act for the Giuliani campaign, um, who didn't even show up yesterday in the caucus, if I'm not mistaken. No, he showed up. He got 4%. Did he get to show up? Because, I, because at first I heard of many of the news sources that Giuliani wasn't going to be there. I mean, no, well, I, I don't. Oh, I don't think he physically showed up, but he I did know. show up in the results. Well, he did get four. He wasn't 4%, there. And yeah, he wasn't there, and I he mean, wasn't trying to campaign there. And he wasn't trying to campaign in Florida. That was his. Uh, that was his sort of strategy, and it just. It's just his his campaign strategy is screwed up. Not to mention his his psychological strategy is completely screwed up. Literally, uh, we're going on offense on, on the war on terror, and we're going offense and and in our uh, defense. It's just yeah. he's just he's just some completely messed up man. It's I mean, just, even there's nothing right about this man. Yeah, I mean, even even the hardcore neoconservatives, uh, they, they even they want to hear about border security and and other issues that are you know that actually are pressing uh, in our country today. My goodness, I mean, th- this is just it, it, literally. And I think Pyeth when he saw the campaign, campaign and I think he he screamed out something along the lines of wow that's like a movie trailer and yeah it is in fact it's eerily similar and I use that expression a lot sorry Ben but I it's eerily similar to the one of those video game ads that came out about like the year was 2012 <laughs> the US <In> the world <laughs> where <laughs> the US being taken over terrorists. by Britain by terrorism it's like uh, oh boy <laughs> in a world I don't want to don't get me on the cafeteria knife story bomb buildings using oh. children and women. <laughs> then they kill hard-working American citizens oh. in their own country. In a world where terrorism is the number one cause of death, <laughs> Giuliani faces extreme decisions. Oh, man. You know, and we're just we're just getting into the, the point of, you know, it's just getting ridiculous. And you know what? Honestly, man, and like I always say, it's not funny. This is not humorous. We're trying to make this into, an, you know, no! a, a fun topic. But the bottom line is that this is an actual man running running for president alongside the likes of, you know, Hillary Rodham Clinton. George and, W. And George, God, George you cannot run anymore. You've, you're done, God willing. So How could you not laugh at something And Mitt like Romney. I mean, some when of these the, people the man scare has, me. The man has connections to terrorists and then sits there and, and, and barks on the war of terrorism and yeah. starts to – and pushing it forward into the mainstream so that he can get more money to fund his his uh, his run for presidency. It, it's exactly it's, it's, it's like it's, corruption it's, 101. It's like yeah, the I simplest mean, thing to understand. Pretend I'm a candidate who's got an extreme. Pretend I am Rush Limbaugh with an extreme drug problem and I'm hooked on several different drugs and I am touting myself as a guy who's going to clean up drugs in America. It's ridiculous. <laughs> it has no credibility whatsoever. And for those of you who don't live in New York and for those of you who are not in the tri-state area and maybe you didn't research 9-11 a lot, I would suggest taking a, a quick look at just Giuliani's part and role. What, you know, what about the firefighters today that literally have lawsuits and, and have groups? The, the firefighters of New York City are literally campaigning against Giuliani for the things that he did pre- 
post uh, 9/11. So you know, it just it just gets to the point where you got to scratch your head and say, you know, my goodness. I mean, he's just digging his own hole at this point. And hey, I couldn't be happier about that because I'm obviously a Ron Paul fan. But I did want to bring it up, man, because just it gets to the point where you know. I can't, I can't understand it, and I can't believe half the stuff I read or see or watch on YouTube or whatever the case. Well, it's crazy. I have this, I have this article right here, <laughs> and it's, it's a satire article, but it's actually, it gives a little good jab at Giuliani. But Ron Paul, Ron Paul was actually not invited to the Bohemian Grove Christmas <laughs> party this year. He oh. wasn't. Yep, GOP primary candidate Ron Paul was not invited to yesterday's uh, Bohemian Grove Christmas party because of his quote unquote poor attitude regarding mm-hmm. all things global. Yep, a member of the Bilderberg mm-hmm. Group said to, what? today. Yep, most of the other primary candidates from the Democrat and Republican parties attended the Monte Rio, California event. Quote, unquote, Ron Paul may be considered a possible invitee to Grove next year should his poor attitude towards globalism improve, said Sir Archibald Wingate, Bilderberg's high commissioner for global policy. There was no word from the Ron Paul campaign on whether Paul's feelings were hurt, but things were rocking at the Grove. The Bilderbergs <laughs> hired legendary rock band Led Zeppelin to perform on stage just in front of Molech, the pagan god owl. <laughs> The band, the band was hired to perform as sort of an inside joke because Vice President Dick Cheney is in fact building a Led Zeppelin called the Death Blimp. Oh my goodness. Molek appeared stoned as he looked down into the mosh pit where President Bush, Hillary Clinton, Rudy Giuliani, Condoleezza Rice, and other political notables took turns body slamming and throwing each other around. At one point, Dick Cheney, looking quite posh in his black colored helmet, respirator, and matching dark cloak, levitated several mosh pitters over 20 feet in the air before setting them down again. A fun time was had by all until the metal stage that Led Zeppelin was performed on collapsed straight down later into the <laughs> evening. No one was hurt, and Giuliani quickly had the steel beams removed. <laughs> the party then continued with Hillary Clinton oh, performing her top 40 hit Hillary Clinton cackle song. The entire crowd cackled, cackled, and clucked mm. with her. Forgive, forgive us for laughing, and forgive me for laughing, because oh, again, like, you know, it's it. Unfortunately, it's natural, I think, for us to kind of make jokes about these things, but a lot of it's based off really serious events that are that have happened and are happening. So, um, and yeah, and if things weren't bad enough, you you, you get the the usual jargon out of the 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 foxes, and we haven't really even touched upon the Ron Paul news. First of all, the new website Ben for Ron Paul is RonPaulWarRoom.com. Yep. Two R's in that uh, website, RonPaulWarRoom.com, and um, a couple things that you know that are, were happening over the past couple of days. I know with the caucus was the big news, but Ron Paul is continuing to raise a lot of money, and we will get to some other Ron Paul news later on. But I do want to talk about one of my most What's the word, Ben? Undesirable co-hosts on Fox News, William Crystal. Not Billy Crystal, not not Bill Crystal, you know, the, the movie maker, but for those of you who know, William Crystal, Bill Crystal, uh, he's often referred to on Fox News. That now, I mean, you can call slime. you can call Ron Paul. You can call Ron Paul a lot of things. I guess you can call him an old geezer, whatever you want to call him. Uh, the two things that I don't think you can call Ron Paul, like him or not. And we'll, we'll get Charles's opinion on this. Um you can't call him a crackpot because he has been a doctor. He's been a congressman. He's serving in his 10th term. He's extremely intelligent. He's not a crackpot. He's not nuts. Crackpots are usually associated with people who are not all there in the head. Correct, Ben? <laughs> Maybe even a little nuts. Yes. Okay, Ron yes. Paul is clearly not a nutty person. He's very intelligent. He's well-spoken. He's very good. at uh, He speaks very well. Okay. He doesn't put out movie trailer apocalyptic uh, <laughs> pretend, ads. Yeah. And so. pretend you don't agree with anything he says. Let's pretend we none of us agree. He's not a crackpot. The other thing that Ron Paul isn't is un-American because he does nothing but tout 
the approval and support of the Constitution and, and the Bill of Rights. Um, so I think those are the, probably the two things you can't call him, but William Crystal, leave it up to William Crystal, PNAC member himself, to call him exactly those two things. Well, we never should have gone to war, the Civil War. That from Republican White House hopeful Ron. Oh, and just before this gets started, the one thing they always talk about with Ron Paul is that he has the opinion, agree or disagree, it doesn't matter, that, you know, the Civil War could have been handled in a lot of different things, and he doesn't agree with how Abraham Lincoln, you know, did it in a certain way. And regardless, it doesn't really matter. It's, you know, however many years ago, at this point, this is all they use against Ron Paul. Oh, Ron Paul thinks the Civil War was a wrong, you know, was the wrong move. Paul, the Texas congressman, saying Abe Lincoln only went to war to get rid of the in original intent of the Republic. Check out his response yeah, on Meet the Press when Tim Russert says we would still have slavery had we not. Oh, come on, Tim. Slavery was phased out in every other country of the world, and the way I'm advising that it should have been done is do like the British Empire did. You, you buy the slaves and release them. How much would that cost compared to killing 600,000 Americans and where it lingered for 100 years? I mean, the hatred and all that existed. So every other major country in the world got rid of slavery without a civil war. Bill Crystal is with us. He is the editor of the Weekly Standard. Kind of an interesting take for a presidential hopeful to be pay, uh, to be taking on one of the most popular presidents in American history. He pause that. Pause that. Go ahead, Ben. He go didn't ahead. take it on. He was asked the freaking question. He answered it. How? Why is they? Yeah, because like they, they know what he's going to say. They say, "Oh, look at this nutty crackpot. He's going to say the Civil War." Because was they a know mistake. he's not going to lie about his beliefs. So they ask him the question. He, he, he might have answered it somewhere previously. Tim Russert dug really deep on it. Then they decided to ask him a question. Sure. He answered honestly. And then that, now they say that he's taking it on yeah. as if it's some type of history he's trying to revise or some crap like this that. This mean, smell. It smells like a shit. Yeah, Giuliani, a week before on Meet the Press, literally giggled his way through the whole entire hour about him linking to terrorism. He laughed about it like it was some effing joke. Yeah, he literally Literally laughs. was... Go, folks, go for yourself. Go to YouTube. Just check it out. It's in like four to five different parts. Giuliani's, you know, Broussard asked him, well, you know, these are serious accusations. <laughs> Laughed the whole way. I'm sorry. I apologize. Well, he's a crackpot, John. And, um, you know, the extreme oh, no. okay, right okay, has on. always hated Lincoln. Yeah. Crystal is okay. with us. He is the editor of the Weekly Standard. <laughs> kind of an interesting take for a presidential hopeful to be pay, uh, to be taking on one of the most popular presidents in American history. Well, he's a crackpot, John. And, um, <laughs> you know, the extreme right has always hated Lincoln. The extreme left <laughs> hates Lincoln. And, and as, often is the case, as often is the case with people like Ron Paul, the extreme right and extreme left have come together behind his candidacy. He doesn't approve of anything any American government has done, so far as I can tell. In the Which is completely not you true. Go ahead, Pyeth. Give it you to me, Pyeth. Stupid, <laughs> ignorant, son of a bitch, dumb bastard! Okay. <laughs> the interventions in both Thank world you. wars, I believe. He's against the Civil Rights Act of 1964. He's against, you know, efforts to uh, help poor people by the federal government. Um, uh, he claims to be a libertarian, but he doesn't seem to care to much about people. liberty. Oh, I, I hold, saw hold, hold on, Ben. Hold on. Listen to what Crystal says here. He doesn't seem to care much about. Civil Rights Act of 1964. He's against, you know, efforts to uh, help poor people by the federal government. Ron Paul's against efforts to help poor people. <laughs> he wants to abolish the IRS. 
But he's against poor people, right, Will? Um, uh, he <laughs> claims to be a libertarian, but he doesn't seem to care much about liberty. I, I... Ron Paul <laughs> doesn't doesn't care about liberty. Okay, go ahead. I saw in the interview with Tim Russert, he also cites Vietnam as a wonderful place. But shouldn't libertarians be a little unhappy about the, uh, the, the, the absolute absence of liberty in current Vietnam? So I, I think he, you know, he'll run in the primaries. He may run in the general election, as Pat Buchanan and Ross Perot did. The real zingers he may coming. He get some votes. But... Um, I don't think at the end of the day he's, uh, let's hope, he's not going to be a serious player in this campaign. Well, I guess his point is you had 600,000 dead in the Civil War, the bloodiest war in American history. He says it simply wasn't worth the cost that you could have gotten rid of slavery another way. Well, there's really no evidence of that. I mean, there's no examples of countries that had slavery institutionalized the way we did in half of Except our country, a whole economic existed. system yeah. built around it. Uh, there were many efforts by the North to persuade the South to give it up uh, uh, peacefully, uh, but the slavery, the slavery forces were aggressive in the, 19, in the 1850s, not receding. Uh, look, you can have an interesting academic debate about whether Lincoln's tactics and strategy were right, whether different policies in the 1830s, 1840s, 1850s might have led to a different place. But Ron Paul's fundamental position is anti-American. Let's be honest. I'm going to just stop there. Ron Paul's Wrong. fundamental position is anti-American. And there are two... And this is coming from the person that says we need a pearl harbor type yeah, of attack yeah, yeah. here in the United States to yeah. get his agenda across. I believe it's page I, I believe it's page 62 in the PDF or 63. Go check it for yourselves folks. The uh, project for New American Century, newamericancentury.org. You look under the legislation that they've written and I think it's the uh, rebuilding America's defenses. Yep. And I believe if I'm not totally mistaken that William Crystal is a part of this uh, agenda. Oh yeah. Nevertheless, he is. He is. like He's I a said, scumbag. that's like but again, okay, let's turn the tides. That's like saying that's like saying Giuliani is for, you know, civil rights. Yeah. No, he's completely against civil rights. For He's about war and terrorism and fighting terrorists across the world. So, you know, let's just let's just call a spade a spade. Let's talk about, you know, what these candidates really are. And there are two words that I have been taught in English that are extremely dirty and can be used for extreme hurt. Obviously, I'm not going to repeat those words, but those words can't even come close to the words I'd like to use against William Crystal. Um, and I did get yeah, a lot Quagmire of curse words out before the word. show. Yeah, it is. Quagmire is an interesting word. I, um, <laughs> you know, the, the, I used a lot of bad words before the show, Ben. I try to get them out before we do the show because I don't want to go down to that level because it angers me. Well, the uh, the uh, um, uh, the folks at We Are Change got him very, very good. And they got him really good. And I, They confront I a lot of big people. <laughs> yeah, I, I encourage everybody to, to Google that. We Are Change, uh, William Crystal. And they got him really good. I yeah. mean, they were... They were calling him what he was. They were yeah. calling him a scumbag. They were calling him a traitor. They were calling him treasonous. They were calling him everything, man. I mean, the yeah. guy is the guy is like almost as bad as Richard Pearl. Like he's almost as evil as like who's Sith, also a PNAC member, who's by also, the way. Who's also a Sith Lord in disguise. <laughs> and he's like, oh my goodness, he's just he he's <laughs> evil. Like him, Don Rumsfeld, uh, Richard Pearl, Will Crystal. These yeah. are like th- these Forbes. Yes, these yeah, are Dick like Cheney, the scum, Rumsfeld. scum of the scum. Nine one four six one three three one six six. It's nine one four six one three 
888-3166, Animal Farm Show. You can Skype us at that, one word, and you can also instant message us at uh, AOL. And also check out the website, animalfarmshow.com. Absolutely, folks. The podcasts are up. We're, we're doing our best here, folks. We get angry. We try not to get too angry. We try to give you the, um, you know, the, the stuff that's going on behind the scenes. Uh, and, and again, Ben, just to, you know, talk about how we presented this, I think it was four or five shows ago when Ron Paul was making the big boom. I think it was actually during the 5th of November uh, money bomb. You know, we said, uh, okay, now he's gaining ground. Now he's actually doing more than we ever expected. And we had commented and, and, I, I'd asked you the question, you know, how do you think they're going to attack this guy? Because it's so hard to attack this guy. He's such a clean slate. I mean, you could dig up so much dirt on any of the candidates except for Ron Paul because he is a squeaky, uh, squeaky clean type of guy. And, you know, leave it to Fox News to call him exactly what he's not. Uh, you know, it's like saying Santa Claus wears a blue suit. I don't know what else you could possibly do to distort the truth, well, but William things, Crystal is the king of that. Yeah, one of the things that they do is that they talk about him while he's not there, and they of they, course, well that's obvious. Yes, yeah, so and they don't you give know, him a chance to, to really defend himself. But every single time that he does defend himself, everybody always goes, "Oh, really? Oh, okay, that makes that makes lots of sense. That's quite that's quite logical." Yeah, and I, and I wanted to bring this up because again, obviously we're huge Ron Paul fans, okay, and forgive us for just you know being the huge fans that we are, but the bottom line is you know no matter who we're talking about at least you know use some honesty and try to attack someone with you know with real facts in mind I mean, you can't call ron paul an american it's not a possibility the, considering liar! what america is, was founded on is what i'm saying liar! <laughs> oh man i mean I, I didn't think they'd go to that level i'm sorry I'm a little uh, overwhelmed well I bill crystal be. bill crystal stoops be. pretty low yeah i shouldn't be i'm, I'm making too big person. of a deal it's my my fault i apologize for that but nevertheless it is what it is and you can you can check out that video and there are plenty you know plenty of them like it but you know the ron paul blimp thing is currently a huge success and is becoming more successful i think there's great pictures on truthnews.us about that and infowars and prison planet there's um, also uh, we also um, have a Ron Paul Air Corps that's that's uh, started pretty much yeah. where Ted Anderson, the uh, owner of the GCN radio network, um, hi- started hiring planes and started raising money in order to, to raise planes to start flying around the country with, sure. with huge banners and stuff like that. Um, I mean, I, I think it's great. I think they uh, start they need to start doing that in New Jersey right now. Yeah, well, in New and Hampshire. I'm sorry. Well, New Hampshire, definitely. Speaking of New Jersey, Ben, before I forget this little thought, I was actually uh, driving towards New Jersey. Atlantic City. And I was going through the Garden State Parkway, and there's a lot of Ron Paul signs over the overpasses. Um, we're coming up against God a break. Bless you, folks. When we get back, Charles Ratner will join us in the studio, and we have a lot more Ron Paul news to get your way. Uh, Animal Farm Radio Show, Revere Radio Network. We'll be right back.
proud military veteran who served our nation, Ron Paul salutes and supports our troops who protect and defend our freedom. But who do the troops support? Ron Paul. The record shows they're standing up for him. Our troops have spoken, and Ron Paul is the choice for their next commander-in-chief. I'm Ron Paul, and I approve this message. If you want to give us a call here at the Animal Farm, dial 914-613-3166. Yeah, go ahead and finish up! Finish up! The Republican Presidential Candidates Debate. There is a global jihadist effort. They want to follow us home. They're coming from countries that want to kill us. These people do want to follow us here. Radical Islamic extremism. They have followed us here. And those terrorists are going to attack. We know there's going to be another attack. I want them in Guantanamo. Let's execute. We had a double Guantanamo. And let's use the word murder. But enhanced interrogation techniques. Very high-pressure techniques. Waterboarding. Torture. I'm looking for Jack Bauer. Torture. 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 Torture people. Remember, Congressman, maybe a long shot, but he gave it his best shot last night in the latest Republican debate, going toe-to-toe with the Republican frontrunner. Are you suggesting we invited the 9-11 attack, sir? I'm, I'm suggesting that we listen to the people who attacked us and the reason they did it. I would ask the congressman to withdraw that comment and tell us that he didn't really mean that. If we think that we can do what we want around the world and not incite hatred, then we, then we have a problem. They don't come here to attack us because we're rich and we're free. They come and they, and they attack us because we're over there. Congressman Ron Paul, you appear to have consistent uh, principled integrity. Uh, Americans don't usually go for that. <laughs> you voted against the Patriot Act. I did. You voted... You voted against the Iraq War. Yeah. But you also hate taxes and you hate gun control. You are an enigma wrapped in a riddle nestled in a sesame seed bun of mystery. Deliver the message. I will continue to be as consistent as possible. And I will continue to stay in there as long as our numbers keep growing. Thank you very much. All right, folks, welcome back to the Animal Farm Radio Show on uh, the yeah. Radio Network. Ben, ben and I just did, did a little bit of a Jaeger bomb, so we're <laughs> a little late to return there. And uh, we, we just are. <laughs> Why don't you talk, Ben? Go ahead. Sorry. <laughs> that was my idea. Um, <laughs> welcome Nothing back, ladies and gentlemen. Drugs uh, and alcohol. Just got a couple more burps to get out before I... <laughs> <laughs> oh, man, we got caught with our pants down there. Oh, well. All right. Number to call in, 914-613-3166. That's 914-613-3166. Um, Charlie Ratner is in studio with us right now. So it's uh, uh, we are going to be talking about the Iowa caucuses and uh, what happened there. We're going to be playing hardcore politics. Oh, there's a Charles Ratner intro song. Let's let it play. His name is Charles Ratner. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Charlie, welcome to the studio with us. Hey, happy 2008, everyone. Happy 2008, Charles. Absolutely. So, uh, your boy won? No, he wasn't your boy. No, Edwards no, no, no. Was Edwards boy. is his boy. Edwards did somewhat decent, yeah. Came second, beat third. Hillary. He got the silver. Yeah, he, he beat Hillary. I thought he came in third. 
Absolutely. So what did you think about the uh, whole uh, Iowa thing? Wow. I mean, there's so much to go over on the Democratic and Republican side. But uh, you want to start with Obama and Edwards. And I, I, I think um, I was actually surprised to see Obama pull it out. I, he obviously had some good campaign moves in the last few days. And uh, I think what you're going to see um, from him now is a lot more bold pronouncements, kind of like what he gave during his victory uh, speech after the uh, after the results were announced in Iowa. Um that was a very good speech. People should check it out. It was a out. great speech. I agree. I thought it was a great speech. Uh, the only thing I didn't like about it, he was talking about, um, you know, sort of, I, I guess I agreed with him. He was talking about change and revolution and, you know, these these type of things and hope in America and stuff like that. Uh, the only thing that I just, you know, like, to me, when somebody talks about change, they need to start talking about the Federal Reserve. Well, I mean, and Ben, just to add on before you guys, and I want Charles to respond to all this, but bef- you know, before we get too far off, I mean, you know, Hillary Clinton on a lot of her campaign, uh, you know, the little podium things, it says uh, HillaryClinton.com, ready for change, ready to lead. I mean, you know, it's 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 usual, it's it's an obvious thing. Oh yeah, you want to promote promote change. People are not happy in this country. The Congress approval rating is extremely low, maybe an all time low. The presidential rating is an all time low. So. You know, it's it's an obvious move to put ready for change on your podium. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I like that Obama's do it. I, you know, Hillary does it does it great. But Ron Paul, you know, he does it too, and he also I think backs it up with his speeches. And as much as I want to believe that Obama's going to change things for the better, I don't necessarily believe that. Although I will say his speech was wonderful, and I'm actually glad that he beat Edwards and Hillary. I got to be honest with you, Charles, not to diss your boy, but uh, Edwards had a one percent. You know, victory over Hillary, hardly something to go crazy over. Uh, Obama, I think, was 38%. Yep, and, uh, yeah. And, yeah, so, uh, I, I mean... To, I, I do have to say... I like Obama. Of, I, in defense I, of Obama, are, he is a lot for... He's more, for more change than, than Hillary or... Absolutely. Yeah. I, I agree with that. Well, Charles. Well, you're overlooking a couple of things. Uh, one point, you know, whatever the whatever the margin was, Hillary, Hillary came in third. That's the bottom line. Okay. And... It's important in a state like Iowa, which is fairly representative of the Midwest and, right. and a black that's typically gone, you know, red for the past few election cycles to see in that environment, which candidate has the uh, which Democratic candidate has has viability. And for it to be Obama, I'm, I'm actually kind of surprised. I mean, he's he's Chicago. He's Midwestern. But it's not the first per- candidate. Really? I think he's, of one, he's when a fish? I think of Iowa. He's a fish. <laughs> he's from from. From Chicago? Uh, FISH stands for FN Illinois shithead. <laughs> okay, thanks for filling me <laughs> in I never there. knew that, Ben, and I'm sure, I'm sure some of our <laughs> listeners didn't know that. But for, I don't okay, know how many online I actually uh, follow that. <laughs> <laughs> so but you're no, overall, I, you're surprised, Charles, that Obama. I'm surprised it, it came out with such a clear Obama victory. I'm, I'm, I'm pleasantly pleased. I mean, if you go back to what I, what I said when I was talking about Edwards and Obama, you know, I, I like a lot of things about Obama. When it comes down to position by position, you know, in the tally of it all, Edwards comes out ahead in my book. But uh, Obama. <clears throat> Obama's got a, a charisma that uh, politicians need to succeed, and he's sure. got uh, he's got that to much more of a degree than anyone else in the de- Democratic field. And I think that's what's going to pull it through for him. Uh, it certainly did wonders for him in Iowa. I, I agree. Lightning trapped in the bottle, as many people have called it. You know, he's got that. He's got that. Um, he's got a very, very man. I hate to even use their words, but he's got like a very hopeful type of personality where he's you know he's talking about change and he sounds extremely sincere and he. 
he points out the things that are wrong in Washington. And, sure, you know, yeah, you know? and, and to and to his credit as well, I mean, he's not just one of these you know Gulagiani type persons where he's just speaking about oh we need to fight the Islamo fascists. You know, yeah. it's it, that's not his thing, and he's been called out on it in some serious situations during several of his speeches, and I I, I do appreciate and respect Obama for. Uh, for sticking to his guns. I mean, look, I'm I'm not a huge fan, but I I, I would say out of those three, I would pick Obama. Hundred hundred days out of hundred days. I every I, I agree. Day. I agree. Hundred percent. So I that, think if I think in an Obama presidency, there's still going to be a massive amount of complaints um, from yeah, our side of the aisle and, and in, in terms well. of in terms of what police are doing with it. you know things that are kind of out of his control essentially. Um, but but things that he's not really running on. He's not really running on civil liberties and and. You know, stuff like that. I mean, I'm sure he's mentioned them a couple times, but that's not really so much what he's running on. So I'm sure I'm sure things like that would probably end up continuing under his presidency. But I got to say, I don't think there's a Democratic candidate that's seeking to maintain the Patriot Act. I mean, if if Lieberman was running, maybe. But uh, which one? Well, they may say that they're not, but well, that's true. I mean, you know, we're dealing with mainstream candidates and. A mainstream candidate isn't going to bring about the radical change of a candidate like uh, Ron Paul or Dennis Kucinich, but uh, <clears throat> I don't think that he's – I don't think that ni- hardly anybody, any of the Democratic front runners, would in any way resemble a Bush presidency and bring about the kind of changes that that have evolved over the last seven years. I think a lot of it would be reversed. I don't think everyth- we can make everything go away, especially in a four terms. I mean, Bush has had eight years to create what's been created. To take it all away in four is, a, is a, you know – could be a tough. Uh, well, Charles, and I, I want to ask you, you have a lot more experience than I do about you know all this stuff. I mean, you've you've uh, you've been researching a lot longer than I have, that's for sure, to say the least. But I mean, you know, the, one of the big issues that I take with a lot of the candidates, and the reason why I am such a Ron Paul fan, is because he speaks about a lot of the other issues that are extremely important, in my opinion, uh, you know, for America. It's not just about oh, we got to stop people from destroying our country. The borders are wide open, but we have to bomb other countries because they're going to bomb us, and we got to stop them. You know, all this nonsense, this ridiculous strategy that it makes no sense at all. Uh, I like how Ron Paul talks about other things, like well, you know, healthcare is an issue, and maybe taxes should be reduced because people are you know, really going broke. So the the one question I would have for you based on all this is that, you know, let's say uh, Jonathan Edwards, for example, or even Barack Obama and take it in two different spurts if you want. But if either of these two candidates got elected, I mean, do, you know, what changes do you think would occur and why? For you know, And specifically talking about, do you think that these candidates would pull out troops slowly but surely? Or do you think that health care would improve and why? You know, I, I don't feel any of this. And even from Barack Obama, I don't get the sense that he's going to stand up to the big bankers. And to the and the reason why Ben's point is so important is because the Federal Reserve owns us. All the money printed comes from the Federal Reserve. That's why we're in such big trouble. controls every aspect the Federal of our Reserve lives. is. Ladies and gentlemen, the Federal Reserve is it's not... More, it's more it's, important than presidential candidates and campaigns and all that. Right. It runs and, everything. And Charles Ratner is a lawyer, and he can back me up on the statement. The Federal Reserve is not federal. It's not United States-owned. It's a private... It's a group of private banks. They're not our country's banks. They're a, pr- a private organization. And nobody knows who owns okay? them. We talked about freedom to fascism, our, the late Aaron Russo's film. We talked about what the Federal Reserve is and what they do. And I would suggest all of you go out, who you know, those of you who don't know, check it out for yourselves. Do the research. But the question to you, uh, you have the floor now, Charlie. You know, give me, uh, speculate as to what John Edwards would do if he got into office tomorrow. All right. Well, I don't think any of the mainstream 
candidates on the Democratic or Republican side are going to address your concerns with the Federal Reserve. That's just not simply on anyone's agenda. The, the reason for that is twofold. One, the Federal Reserve has become a fairly entrenched institution, even though it's not a federal agency. But, <clears throat> you know, the Federal Reserve was put in place primarily to prevent the type of uh, market fluctuations that occurred during the Great Depression. That Says the them. Great Depression. Says them, but, you know, in, in, in effect, we haven't had a Great Depression since then, and so, to a degree, it's gonna, it's got a, it's uh, we had a done that function, at least. Um, I'm not here to defend. I'm not here to defend the giving away of uh, the power of our currency to f to private banks. I certainly think that that can be troublesome, and eventually someday will be troublesome. Well, well um, hold, hold on, hold, I, I got to interrupt. I'm sorry, but hold on a second. You're saying it can be troublesome, but the dollar is at an all-time low against the euro as of what a month ago, something like that. Our currency is worth dirt. Even if you want to compare the worth of our dollar, the 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 amount of, that it's worth against uh, maybe 1985 when it was worth in 1985, it's not worth anything anymore, and, and we're in a, a tremendous crisis. Uh, financially, you can go. We can spend I, this I, whole show on I financial could, I crisis. I agree more, but it's not the existence of the Federal Reserve System that's the cause of this crisis. It's the that's people. A huge that, part. The people. Well, it's the people that have been put in charge of those systems. Bush came in in 2000 and said, "I believe in a weak dollar policy to increase American exports." George and he's w. A, and he's affected that. And this is and this is the result. We have a weak U.S. dollar that. Is great for bringing, you know, for selling American goods abroad. But now, you know, we buy Japanese televisions. We buy it's a temporary issue. Every single television that's sold in this country is made outside this country. And when when the, the U.S. dollar goes down, we pay more for those products. It's a tax on you and me, and nobody realizes it. And it's not it's not the function of the Federal Reserve. It's the people that Bush put in charge of the Federal Reserve. It's the it's the Federal have, Reserve existing that, that enables that have, dictators like. President Bush to be able to raise the money supply. It's the fact that we have a currency that's not backed by anything feasible. It's not backed by any gold. Yeah, but so no one else's currency people. is either. We've uh, every country's gone off the gold standard. In fact, England's gone up. The euro's on the gold standard. No, it is not. The gold, the euro's backed by gold. The, the well, every currency is backed to a certain degree by certain assets, but it's not a completely gold-backed standard. Every every currency that's every major currency that's out there is a fiat currency like ours. Fiat meaning that it's not backed note for note by by uh, actual physical by gold. Now, by people, you know, a lot of people think that you know our currency is supposed to be backed by gold in Fort Knox, and it's supposed to be, uh, but unfortunately, there's a lot of speculation that it is not. And uh, you know, isn't that the problem though? It's I mean, no. It's, it's even Ron Paul himself. To bring him up again, Ron Paul himself said the dollar's worth about four cents, and I think it's even lower than that based on what I've read. But uh, yeah, I, I and I appreciate you answering the question there, uh, Charles, and I, I agree that you know it's not this particular issue is not going to get addressed, but. We, folks, you are an American citizen listening to this show or you're not. If you are, you have to look at the most important issues facing your country right now. If you think that the threat of Islamo-fascism or Islamic terrorists or Islamic fundamentalists is the number Those one concern, doers. if you think that's the number one concern, then I would really challenge you to call uh, call us up, 914-613-3166. I don't personally believe that, and I don't think Ben does either. Ben, correct me if I'm wrong, but... You know, my only prediction is that if, you know, if the Clinton gets elected or if Edwards, I think it's just going to be the same old garbage, good cop, bad cop for the next four or, God help us, eight years. Well, no, I, I think that any Democrat is, is willing and ready to bring about 
the withdrawal of troops from Iraq. I mean, certainly we've been, we've been in Iraq. You think Hillary Clinton is going to withdraw troops from Iraq? I think that. Honestly, Charles. I, I, I think that any Democratic candidate has on their agenda the withdrawal from oh, Iraq. Oh, man. Man, Charles. Based, listen, Charles, dude, I, I respect dude. you 100%, but I got to disagree with that. Based, no. on, based, on, based on supposition? I mean, well, based every, on what? every candidate says that we want out of Iraq. Hillary Clinton is a pancake. It's either this side or that side. It's, it's Nancy Pelosi said she Hillary wanted Clinton, out of Iraq. Clinton's an entrenched candidate, and I don't like her, but I don't, yeah. I don't think that she's going to seek to prolong the war. John Conyers said he wanted to impeach Bush. Oh, God. I mean, you know, I mean, it's just, it's, th- these people are populists. They just they follow the polls. They have massive amounts of money on the, around them. They have massive focus groups that, that tell them what Americans want, and they speak to that. That's why, they don't, that's why when you look at a Democrat or a Republican, and we call them mainstream, mainstream candidates— there's a reason why we call them mainstream candidates because they have the ability to to do these popularity polls and to see what people are thinking and to speak to that. You know that's that's not comforting when you're an American citizen. Our, our our dollars completely devalued, and then you have these people following polls and chasing polls and saying what what everybody wants to hear. I mean, it just they're not well, saying well, the truth. Well, there's well they don't say the truth. I think they speak mainly the truth about what their positions are. I think what they can do and what they'll have the political will to do are probably different, but you know, you got to understand that politics is all about compromise. So a, a candidate could come in and, and promise to do the things that he says he wants to do and not be able to do them in the end because a compromise has to be reached with, with parties that are completely opposed to your position. So you end up somewhere in the middle. So, I mean, I share a, a healthy cynicism of, of any promises that a, that a candidate, particularly a mainstream candidate, makes, on, makes in a speech of any sort. But you got to believe that what they're speaking is is a good general indication of their of their general politics. So let me, well, hold on, let me ask you then, Charles. And I think all of them I are agree. generally opposed to this war. Well, I agree, but I mean, let, let's talk. You know, if we want to talk about, we could spend the whole show, which we want about who's really telling the truth about the war. Hillary says this, Edward says that, blah blah blah. What am I supposed to think? And, and maybe I'm a simpleton, but when I hear politicians from either side uh, attacking other politicians, I'm instantly turned off and what goes through my head is you know this person really isn't that serious about caring about the country it's not they're not really going to uphold the standards in which uh, it takes to run america it's not about attacking your you know other politicians if you want to disagree respectfully that's one thing but edwards and hillary and obama and and romney and huckabee and almost every politician except for one which will not be named attacks 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 and not just attacks in forums or in debates or in speeches i'm talking about actually coming up with campaign ads that attack the other politician and to me it instantly turns me off, and to me, it says this person really doesn't care about America. They care more about winning the presidency. Pieces of film. And well, whether George Bush legitimately won either of those elections, which I don't think he did, nope, uh, we see exactly what goes on. We see exactly George Bush, and not to reiterate the words of you know every other person, Ron Paul not excluded, but George Bush ran on a humble foreign policy. This guy talked about stop the nation building, stop all this stuff you know uh, in other countries of the world. Let's take care of our, our you know our country at home. Look what's happened in eight years. Our country, we, we are screwed. We are ultimately screwed. I'm sorry, but we are. We are in Damn dire, we are in dire, dire straits right now. 
And I we, think I think of it, well, I think most of that has to do with our monetary policy. Oh, and, it's and King, extremely important, Ben. King Mob just dropped me an inst- instant message, and I just want to to say this: King Mob had said that Muslim countries don't believe in treasury, hence they have gold-backed currency, and hence that's the reason they were invaded in the first place. Uh, he says so. There are co- there are countries that have oh, no. gold standards. Yeah, but the ma- the major world currencies aren't. The major world currencies well, are. You t- okay, you're talking about what? The Euro America? Pa- Euro pound, dollar, Canadian dollar. Isn't Japanese the euro backed yuan? by gold? I think the euro is backed by. The but euro you'd is never not know. completely backed by gold. I mean, every currency has some assets behind it, but it is not a gold standard currency. It is not. And the reason is because no one wants to be a slave to the gold trade as to what their currency is really worth and and how their economy can grow or expand based on how much a gold miner decides to, to drill in any one year. Well, okay. Well, isn't, isn't, isn't that equally just as much slavery as, as how much a, a, a banker decides to print? I mean, it's actually more than, than you know, because it, you're actually talking about something feasible that exists in the earth. Bankers, you know, they literally just print money out of thin air, so it matters about how many trees they freaking cut down to print paper on. Yeah, and I that's mean, even they, worse. They, they, it's much more controlled. Every than, single every single piece of currency in this in this country that's been printed since 1913 has Federal Reserve note printed on the back of it. I mean, unless I'm completely nuts, and, and not for nothing, uh, Charles. And again, we're just trying to straw up a little bit of debate here. I understand that, but you know, gold just hit an all-time high again the second day of this year. Uh, you know, January 2nd hit an all-time high. You know, and, and I, th- I am no expert on finance, and I will never be an expert on finance as long as I'm alive. But I think it means something about the price of, uh, obviously, the price of gold going so high. It means something about the dollar, how weak the dollar is, and how the economy is doing. No, it's not. It has to do with how much demand there is and how much supply there is of and, gold. But why? What's the reason? Why is gold in such demand right now? Why is it's, why is China well, it, it talking about be, dumping the dollar? No, I'm not sure that it's an increased demand in gold, and there's certainly it's steady not. demand gold. It's, it's it's the decreasing supply. So if you do if you increase demand. Price goes down. If you if you decrease supply, the price goes up. Wait That's basic economics. Okay, so you're telling me. Hold on, let me get this straight. Because again, I'm not an econ- uh, economist. You're telling me that the reason why gold right now, the January fourth, two thousand eight, you're telling me. The reason why gold is hit an all-time high is because there's so little supply of it. No, I mean, well, and there's the, so high demand. It has nothing no, to do no. with the fact that the dollar is worth nothing anymore. No, I mean, there, what you're seeing in the spike of gold in the past couple of days is not because of a sudden shortage of supply. I mean, there's there's a general expected supply of gold, and it's not going to vary much for year to year. But what you're seeing now is is a complete uh, an overtaking of the of the stock market. That this country is heading into a recession in the first and second quarters of this year, Absolutely. and as a result, people are buying gold, which tends to increase during those times of recession. Yeah, but, but the Charles, gold, this they're has buying been gold because so the, demi- so the what you've seen is the demand happening. for gold increased because of a fear of a recession in this country, and and for a feel of fear of lack of lack of value in any type of currency, right? No, that's your fear. I don't think general. I don't I think, think I don't think this has been happening fear. for over no, two, three years at least. Two, three years of what? We've always we've had a, we've had we've been off the gold standard since Nixon. No, no, no. no but hold on, I, we're, we're talking about two different things now. Gold standard is one thing. Yes, we all personally, I'd rather be on a gold standard, but that's a whole different issue we touched upon that let's talk about right now 2004 gold was what 670 dollars an ounce around they were fluctuating up and down i bought it at that point i bought it like a stock on the stock market now it's over 800 and uh help me then 80 okay thank you again i'm not i'm not an economist you're you're telling me that the success for gold 
has nothing to do with the fear that the dollar is about to collapse and the economic market in the in these United States no, the, the, with the housing bubble the, and all the other other the issues price, there. The, you know, uh, putting other factors aside, the price of gold and silver and other commodities always increases in times of economic turmoil. Because it's a okay, steady so asset, because okay. it has an actual worth and continues to and, and actually stays Yeah, but that. it's not people selling dollars to buy gold. It's people selling it equities. It's it's They're selling bonds. They're selling their stocks. And the stock market goes down, the bond, and, and, and the gold price goes up. That's right. what's going on let, right let, now. Everyone's putting their money out of equities and into, into people more are I can hear the sound of people banging their heads against no their own desks. no one's changing their dollar. Hold on, hold on. Sorry, time. Just time. The whole country oh. shot. <laughs> I'm not going to get mad. I want to attempt to – we only have a little time before break. I want to get, get a little bit back on track. Okay, folks, we, we had a little debate here. Uh, but the whole idea is that you know we're for certain candidates because we feel that we are in dire circumstances. And um, we, we got into this discussion because we said the Federal Reserve is such a huge problem in this country and that we only think that there's one candidate, not Huckabee, who's just following the parade of Ron Paul, who's going to actually make a difference and change things back on course we're up against the break when we get back i want to talk about education we got a lot more to talk about animal farm radio show and review radio.com right back Manipulation of the media. Who can you trust? Just when you think there is no hope alive, you find out that there is an alternative news source to turn to. Revere Radio Network, keeping the dream of sovereignty and freedom alive for all. Revere Radio Network. The views and opinions expressed in the following broadcast do not necessarily reflect the views of Revere Radio Network, Rob Revere, or any other host on the network. They are the personal thoughts and feelings of the host given the presentation. We support total free speech here at Revere Radio Network, even when it's ugly. Enjoy. Hey, you're listening to Revere Radio Network. Stay tuned. If you want to give us a call here at the Animal Farm, dial 914-613-3166. Yeah, go ahead and finish up. Finish up! But if you talk to one of them about this, if you isolate one of them, you sit them down rationally, you talk to them about the low IQs and the dumb behavior and the bad decisions, right away they start talking about education. That's the big answer to everything. Education. They said we need more money for education. We need more, more, more books, more teachers, more classrooms, more schools. Uh, we need more testing for the kids. You say to them, well, you know, we've tried all of that and the kids still can't pass the test. They say, oh, don't you worry about that. We're going to lower the passing grades. And that's what they do in a lot of these schools now. They lower the passing grades so more kids can pass. More kids pass. The school looks good. Everybody's happy. The IQ of the country slips another two or three points. And pretty soon, all you'll need to get into college is a f***ing pencil. <laughs> Got a pencil? Get the f*** in there. It's physics. 
Then everyone wonders why 17 other countries graduate more scientists than we do. Education. Politicians know that word. They use it on you. Politicians have traditionally hidden behind three things. The flag, the Bible, and children. No child left behind. No child left behind. Oh, really? Well, it wasn't long ago you were talking about giving kids a head start. Head start, left behind. Someone's losing f***ing ground here. But there's a reason. There's a reason. There's a reason for this. There's a reason education sucks, and it's the same reason that it will never, ever, ever be fixed. It's never going to get any better. Don't look for it. Be happy with what you got. Because the owners of this country don't want that. Okay, folks, we are back. We are, uh, yeah, we had a nice little heated debate there with Charles Reiner, who's still in the studio. You're listening to the Animal Farm Radio Show on Revere Radio Network. The number to participate tonight, and always, is uh, 914-613-3166. Like I said, we are still joined by our beloved co-host, friend, and legal correspondent, Charles Ratner. And we just got off a little bit of a heated debate about, you know, politics and all that nonsense about, you know, candidates and change and all that stuff. But before we even continue, I do, you know, George Carlin, that clip, I put that clip in there specifically because I do want to bring up one small article in education, finance, all the issues that we haven't really talked about in depth in the two, three months we've been on the air um, are things that I really want to start talking about. And I think Ben feels the same way. I'm sure Pyeth does and Charles does. And we all want to, we want to start bringing some more, you know, in-depth discussions about uh, so many of the issues that are really hitting home. And, and, you know, not to blather about my personal opinions, but I think we are in extreme circumstances. I know it doesn't seem like that when you look down the street and you go into your local pizzeria or whatever the hell you go to. But folks, I mean, every which way you look, in this country, there are extreme problems, education, finance, uh, health care, you know, everywhere, war, money, uh, no matter what you do, you're confronted. But uh, New York Post, I try not to read the New York Post at all, except for sports, maybe. But there was a decent article um, entitled, Only in New York, a school can get an A and an F. A prominent Board of Regents member labeled as almost contemptuous. The mixed message of a city grading system that can give A's to schools the state calls failing. The gist of the article is that the state itself and the school, they have different ways of grading uh, the school and how competent the school is. The city can do whatever they want to do. But at the end of the day, I think the public deserves better, said Merrill Tisch, the vice chancellor of the State Board of Regents and a longtime supporter of Mayor Bloomberg. Oh, my goodness. When the state says it's failing, in quotes, school, and the city says it's an A, what does that mean? It's an almost contemptuous to allow these desperate systems to ex- uh, exist side by side. It needs to be addressed quickly, Tish said. Of the 26 schools on the state's failing list called Schools Under Registration Review, or S-U-R-R, nine of those earned A's or B's from the city last month. Only six of the schools on the state's failing list got F's, including uh, some now slated for closure. Amongst them is the Canarsie High School. The discrepancy comes because the state looks at how many kids are passing state exams, while the city prioritizes improvement. 
the schools on the state's list trend to have a, uh, tend to have a lot of room for improvement. They can earn an A, but still fail if scores are low, that even significant improvement is not enough to meet state requirements. So, uh, you know, this is Whoops. just the, yeah, this is like PG or PG-13 uh, type of article stuff compared to what I've heard. My, one of my best friends is actually a teacher in the Bronx, and the stories that I hear from, from him alone, he's only been in there for about six, seven months. Folks, uh, you know, you've been to school, you know. I mean, just go back to your, your middle and high school days. I mean, you know, there, there are a lot of issues, a lot worse now than they were when I was in school. Um, education is failing. And, and George Carlin said himself in that little rant where like 17 other countries uh, graduate more scientists than we do. Charles, uh, folks actually don't know you are – I guess you could, you could be considered a scientist. I consider you a very good scientist. You know a lot about science and uh, I dare anybody to call in and try to fool – Mr. Ratner himself, but I, I do want to get your take on, I want to shift gears. I don't, because anybody can have a political debate, but I don't want to do it in our, on our airtime too much. That was, that was a good segment, but what is your take on the education system in our country, um, devoid of politics? Well, devoid of politics. Obviously, our education system is, is going down the tubes. I, you look at the, you know, world rankings of the U.S. compared to other industrialized nations, and we come in, you know, somewhere in the 20s. It's it's a travesty. America, America's always been a technological uh, powerhouse because we've had ingenuity. Well, to to get that ingenuity <clears throat> properly trained for the workforce, you need a good education, and then most people go through public schools, and the public schools are failing. They're not doing their job. Every child's been left behind. Not to inject too much politics into this. I agree. And and before I turn it over to Banner or back to you, Charles, I mean, a lot of people speculate, and and not to adopt the conspiracy mindset. Not that there's anything wrong with that, but the conspiracy mindset, and actually one that I agree with, is that there is an actual plan to dumb down America, and pro- pretty much has been that way for the last 80 years, um, because they want to. And they, who shall not be named, I can't really define they, I can speculate, but uh, the, the idea is to turn America back into a third world nation or to turn America into a third world nation for the first time uh, so that it could be easier to control America for many, you know, many reasons. Well, this is a, actually a very interesting subject, um, and we're actually going to be having John Taylor Gatto on the show uh, not too long from now. Uh, That's going to be a great show, Ben. Yep, he's a he's a New York City uh, Teacher of the Year multiple times. He's he's uh, actually I'm going to read uh, an article here by that by him, um, and this article this article made shockwaves. It was published in I believe the Wall Street Journal, and uh, it, it made shockwaves. And and everybody that read this article literally had said, "Holy crap, this person knows what he's talking." about so I'm gonna I'm gonna read this article right here I think it's I think it's extremely important and it really gets into uh, what's wrong with our public schools in general and John Taylor Gatto is is an incredible man I can't wait to have him on the show uh, but he starts this article the the name of the article is I quit I think and uh, he he starts it off by saying government schooling is the most radical adventure in history it kills the family by monopolizing the best times of childhood and by teaching disrespect for home and parents. The whole blueprint of school procedure is Egyptian, not Greek or Roman. It grows from the theological idea that human value is a scarce thing represented symbolically by a narrow peak of a pyramid. The idea passed into American history through Puritans. It found its quote-unquote scientific presentation in the bell term, along which, which talent supposedly apportions itself by some iron law of biology. It's a religious notion. School is its church. I offer rituals to keep heresy at bay. I provide documentation to justify the heavenly pyramid. Socrates foresaw if teaching became a formal profession, something like this would happen. 
Professional interest is served by making what is easy to do seem hard by subordinating the laity to the priesthood. School is too vital a jobs project, contract giver, and protector of the social order to allow itself to be quote-unquote reformed. It has political allies to guard its marches. That's why reforms come and go without changing much. Even reformers can't imagine school much different. David learns to read at age four, Rachel at age nine. In normal development, when both are 13, you can't tell which one learned first. The five-year spread means nothing at all. But in school, I label Rachel, quote-unquote, learning disabled and slow David down a bit, too. For a paycheck, I adjust David to, pen- to depend on me to tell him when to go and when to stop. He won't outgrow that dependency. I, d- I identify Rachel as discount merchandise, quote-unquote, special education father. She'll be locked in her place forever. In 30 years of teaching kids, rich and poor, I almost never met a learning disabled child. Hardly ever met a gifted and talented one either. Like all school categories, these are sacred myths created by human imagination. They derive from questionable values we never examine because they perceive the, temp- the temple of schooling. That's the secret behind short-answered tests, bells, uniform time, blocks, age grading, standardization, and all the rest of the school religion pushing our nation. There isn't a right way to become educated. There are as many ways as fingerprints. We don't need state-certified teachers to make education happen. That probably guarantees it won't. How much more evidence is necessary? Good schools don't need more money or a longer year. They need real free market choices, variety that speaks to every need and and runs risks. We don't need a national curriculum or national testing either. Both initiatives arise from ignorance of how many people learn or deliberate indifference to it. I can't teach this way any longer. If you hear of a job where I don't have to hurt kids to make a living, let me know. Come fall, I'll be looking for work. And that is John Taylor Gatto that wrote that. He will be on the show. I mean, amen. I mean, Um, listen, if, you know... I want to get some organ music and pretend I'm in a church when I hear that. That's that's yeah, poetic amen. to me, Ben. Because I mean, look, just and before I let you respond there, Charles. I mean, I obviously went to school. I have a bachelor's degree, bachelor's science degree, which is not much, not much in in this day and age. But uh, I also went to to college to become a teacher um, in health and phys ed. So you know, I, I went through some of the um, trials and tribulations there to become a teacher and and believe me it shocked the hell out of me and i was in a good district and i was actually uh put to student teach in good districts as well and it just baffled my mind what i saw and what i experienced and uh i'm, I'm on the same page as mr gatto there and i cannot wait to to organize and to uh to read his literature and to to interview him but charles your your response well it's certainly a, a much Grimmer outlook. I mean, he's on the front line, so he's probably got a better perspective than I do. But that's a much grimmer outlook than I would uh, ascribe to the educational system. You know, there needs to be some sort of centralized control of education curriculum. I don't think that you need to standardize every every school system across the country to do teach exactly the same way. It just can't work like that, obviously. But if you don't if you leave it completely up to the local communities, what you're going to have is this whole intelligent design being put into textbooks, things that we, that we see now anyway, but it's going to be to a much more degree. I mean, the the healthy medium somewhere between too much regulation and too little of education, but um, I don't think you can just leave it up to local communities 
altogether. Uh, I, Charles, isn't that the point? Isn't that isn't isn't that the problem? Is that you're saying you can't t- I can't teach this and you you can't teach that. You know, well, I'm I'm God and therefore you don't have the ability to learn what intelligent design is. Why can't they learn intelligent design? Why can't they study the the opposite of what intelligence design and and, and have a an honest God discussion with their teacher? I mean, if we're if we're saying they're not allowed to teach certain things in school, aren't we limiting their range of thought? Well, I don't think they I don't think there should be a limit on what can be taught in school. I think what's being done is <coughs> what's being done is that just everything's being stripped from education, and that's what's what's wrong. I mean, schools are losing music instruction. And forget intelligent design isn't a science; and it's a religious belief, and I don't think religion should be entered into no, schools. No, it's philosophy. No, but it's it philosophy. philosophy. It is, and it's, and it's, it is re- it's religious. I mean, it, well. It, the, okay, hold on. There's time, all time, kinds time, of time. segments on, on, on where intelligent design came from, and the whole blueprint for intelligent design came from, and I don't know the name of the book, and I don't know the name of the author, but you can go on the Discovery Channel and, and see the same uh, documentary on the, the evolution of intelligent design that I saw. And, uh, you know, it, it came from religious uh, religious pastors who, who decided to introduce this as a way of getting creationism into public schools. Right. Uh, okay, but before we get on to the like old-time religion debate, I mean, the, the, the bottom line here is that uh, the system itself is failing. Okay, duh, it doesn't take a genius to figure this out. The system is failing. Why is it failing is a whole different issue. Um, I agree, Charles, with, with the idea that, you know, there's got to be some kind of way maybe it's got to be judged by the states and you know there's only two states left that even have the regents exams i think it's is california got rid of it yet i'm not sure i think it's new york and california but nevertheless this whole idea of standardized testing if i were to venture my own you know uh you know ideas or theories as to what needs to be done i mean the, the one thing i always thought from grade one to grade 12 to college to whatever is I would like to actually reverse the whole system. I would actually rather learn more critical thinking and round group discussion stuff in grades K through 12 and leave the rote memorization stuff like history and mathematics and, well, you know, for the most part, rote memorization for college because I'd rather learn more about history now, now that I care about history, now that I understand where who I am and where I'm from. But when I'm growing up, you know, the Civil War doesn't just seem that interesting when I'm five or six years old. I don't know about guns. I don't really care. I, I'm thinking about, you know, G.I. Joes or something like that. And granted, it's it's relevant theory, but I, I'm of the opinion that, you know, we need to learn how to treat each other better. We need to learn how to communicate when we're young. We need to stop this rote memorization nonsense like, you know, the agriculture of Maine. Who gives an, you know, bleep? When I'm young, I need to know how to communicate. But let's just also throw one more minor thing before I shut up. Mark Twain said, don't let school interfere with your education. Very good quote. Very important quote. I also have to place a lot of blame on parenting here, folks. Parenting is at an all-time low. Parents need to be taught how to parent their own children. I don't watch reality TV, but if I, if I did, I'd probably watch that, that nanny show. Watch that show. See how parents are so clueless as to how to treat their children, how to respect their own children. Parenting is awful these days, folks. I can't blame schools for every last effing thing when it comes to behavior and, and education. Edu- school is just a stepping stone. It's just there. You have to take it upon yourself to still teach your children morals, education, respect, religion. Well, it's actually Go ahead. Not, I'm going to shut up. It's, uh, you know, one of the things that John Taylor Gatto had pointed out, um, which was something uh, very critical, so he, he had basically pointed out that centralized schooling, and um, not all centralized schooling, but... 
um, a lot of centralized schooling was based on the fact of destroying a child's imagination and not having them have the ability to imagine things. Um, if you, you know, he had talked about, he had looked at Wired magazines. I think uh, one of uh, top ten uh, uh, most influential influential people in the world technology wise and had literally looked at five of the 10 people on that list were high school dropouts you know these are these are incredible inventors steve jobs is a high school dropout i believe bill gates and and bill gates as well and all these people were able to create create these incredible uh technologies that people were able to use um and and he basically uh, blamed school for not uh, for for quelling the imagination of normal children and the fact that five out of ten of the the major creators of the high tech technology didn't have school holding them down. Yeah, I mean a lot of the smartest people I've ever met had never gone to school. Absolutely, had dropped out of school. Um, but you know, talking about John Taylor Gatto, he he sort of in this uh, um, chapter of his book uh, called I Quit, I think he sort of. Uh, tells about what he was able to accomplish in the New York schools, and he says, After planning and bringing about the most successful permanent school fundraiser in New York City history, after placing a single eighth-grade class into 30,000 hours of volunteer community service, after organizing and financing a student-run food cooperative, after securing over a 1,000 apprenticeships during the collection of tens of thousands of books for the construction of private student libraries, after producing four talking job dictionaries for the blind, writing two original student musicals and launching an armada of other initiatives to reintegrate students within a larger human reality i quit and he sort of you know what his what his teaching um uh, method was is that he he let basically let students pick what they wanted to learn about so if a child had said a novel idea if if a child had said i want to learn how to create a comic book because i like comic books he would not only go into the uh, writing of the comic book but he would go out of his way in order to get that child an interview at marvel or talk to somebody at marvel in order to to get them to look at the child and tell to to basically uh, tell them the responsibilities of what goes into a comic book and just teaching them real life things you know and using those real life experiences to teach the child what they need to know about life and really just to get them excited about education and and to begin with i know for myself you know i was educated at the private school when i was younger and it was extremely well then i uh, integrated into a high school which completely made me into a retard and uh and made me into a freaking drug addict but (laughs) but (laughs) i i won't tell not anymore but I wasn't. Drugs I was never. I was never a drug addict. But the the, the notion is that it just basically it, it it made me not want to learn anymore. And 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 I basically ended up learning almost everything I know in this life after after college, after high school. I mean, I didn't go to college, but after high school, I when I started to realize that I wanted to learn about things in this world and wanted to realize yeah. things. So using using the whole life thing and teaching children about life in general is what's gonna it's gonna what's gonna motivate them to be educated in the first place. You know? Nobody goes into school learning algebra X equals A and B and freaking uses that in real life. I mean there's bare, there's basically nothing in public schools that you're gonna use in real life. Well and on top of that, Ben, the other thing too is this whole idea of rote memorization, I mean not that it's not important at all, but seriously, you know, raise your hand if you can tell me what you learned in sixth grade, you know, let me know uh, details about this civil war when you learned it in fourth or fifth or seventh, whatever the hell grade you learned it in. The point of the matter is that you know we learn all. We're just taught from day one: memorize this, memorize that, and then at the end of the day, if you can cite that again, like a monkey can do, 
then you're considered an A plus student and you're on the top it's like of your list. We're all retarded now. Yeah, and, and it's no wonder. It's no wonder, Alex, that we're all retarded now because we're taught from birth to be monkeys, and that's why Mark Twain's quote is such a favorite of mine, which was forwarded from a good friend yeah, uh, a long time ago. It's ridiculous. You know, it's not about memorizing. Anybody can memorize if you just take enough time. It's about taking the skills. And I don't have all the answers, Ben. I went to school for it, but and I have speculation on it, but. Folks, we, you know, this is just one of hundreds of major issues, by the way, just a wee bit more important than Islamofascism, that we, we, need to, we need to take this in consideration now. If you're a parent, if you're not, if you've been through the school system, try to memorize, try to go back in time and think about what you went through, okay, how traumatic it could have been. Gladly for me, I had a pretty good experience in school, but even for me, it was traumatic, a lot of, you know, difficult times, and it's very challenging, but... You know, again, this is just one minor issue, which is a major issue, which is, you know, one of many major issues, Charles, in this country right now, which, again, I got to bring back and I got to, you know, go back to that political discussion. This is not talked about enough. Education is not talked about enough. I'm sorry. It's not. No, not nearly. Reform. Education reform. Now. Right now. No child left behind. Don't let me swear. It's BS. It's BS. It means exactly what it says. Child left behind. You take away music. You want to be uh, blunt about what has taken place. Yeah, well. Sometimes when you don't measure, you just shuffle kids through. <laughs> then you wake up at the high school level and find out that the liter- literacy level of our children are appalling. Yeah, it is our it is our appalling. It is. They are appalling. And George W. I don't I don't really you, understand. I, I just you know I don't want this. I I I never thought when I was growing up that I was gonna you know have a radio show on the internet where we were gonna talk about interesting political issues. I'd rather be playing guitar right now. I gotta be dead honest with you. I'm a musician. That's what I want to be doing right now. But unfortunately, I have this stupid thing in my head that says, "Hey, when you see a problem, you might want to try to change it because that's the idea of America. Help your fellow Americans. Help yourself. Don't give me the music, Pieth." <laughs> <laughs> We're not going to get into that. We have Charles Ratner. We have more than enough to talk about. I want to get to some police state news, but this is appalling. This is this is BS. I can't even say it, but well, it's just ridiculous. To, just to chime in, and this is this is just one this is one thing that I, I I find wrong with centralization is that you have the ability to take the these people at the top have the ability to try to fit fit this large group of students into this narrow. Uh, expectations you know when each child is so incredibly different they they're trying to put tests forward that maybe have nothing to do with the child's you know i i I really did crappy in school, man. I mean, I got I got good grades when I was in private school and got good grades the first year I was in public school. But after that, man, I was just F's all over the place. School just wasn't good for me, and it's not good for a lot of people out there. Just, no, just it turns do, a lot of people off. It does. Do, just do yourself one favor. Try. G- give yourself 30 seconds. Remember back 12-plus years of schooling that you've had. Try to remember your three favorite teachers, and then try to think to yourself why. Those three teachers were your favorites. And I guarantee you, it would have nothing to do with testing. It would have nothing to do with rote memorization. And it would have nothing to do with discipline or wearing the same shirt or whatever the hell the problem was in school. It's about opening up the imagination. For me, it was in college. I had this professor that dealt with film. You know, and he had such a vivid imagination. He didn't even like grading people because he felt bad. He was like, look, take yourself into consideration. Watch this film. Tell me what you feel about it. And it actually taught the students so much. Okay, 
going on from that. Oh, I just well, I have to say one no, more but thing. it's because you're talking about you're talking about good teachers, and I just have to say I had a really good teacher, and and his was in a, a tenth grade actually, and he, right. what what one of the things that he did was he didn't test us on this, but he. He had said, bring in your favorite, he was an English teacher, he said, bring in your favorite song lyrics. Doesn't matter if they have swears in them, doesn't matter anything. Bring them in, we'll write them on the board, we'll analyze them, right. we'll look at them, and, and you could tell right. us what, what it means to you. And that's the class that I learned the most in. So, But we're, we're, we're coming up on a break. Uh, when we get back, we're going to get into some police state news. Uh, but you are listening to the Animal Farm here on the Revere Radio Network. Stay tuned. Internet. is a great nation, but all great nations stumble at times. Our economy is weak. Our national borders are ignored. The cost of health care continues to rise. Our troops are spread too thin. Taxes are too high. Great nations stumble, but great nations do stand again. And so will America. We have the answer. God gave us freedom. Our forefathers gave us the Constitution. There is hope for America. We have Ron Paul. I'm Ron Paul, and I approve this message. Attention, attention, this is an alert. You have been on too long. You must disconnect. You are addicted. Hey, you're listening to Revere Radio Network. Stay tuned. Yeah, baby. Yeah. folks we are back for our last and final segment here a little craziness you know we uh we get real emotional here and we you know we appreciate all the support that all of you out there listeners have given us and continue to give us um you know we've we've we did we have jumped around quite like the first show we've jumped around from topic to topic you know there's so much going on how do you cover it in two hours i don't i don't think it's even possible to cover that's a fact it is a fact george it really is and you know, and like I was talking to uh, to Charles and Ben before, you know, just just pick your spot. You just point in any direction in this country. Uh, you know, never mind the world. Let's just talk about this country for two seconds. Point in any direction, and you're going to find massive amounts of problems. In fact, you're going to find really terrible things and, and problems that need immediate action and probably needed immediate action, I don't know, 10 years ago, maybe 20 years ago. But sure enough... Um, you know, we we just do our best, folks, and you know we're we're just trying to bring you the issues and you know give you some news and information that maybe you wouldn't have uh, listening to the usual AF, FM and AM radios. But we're going to try to take the last segment and jump yet again and and talk about um you know the stuff that we enjoy talking about so much here on the Animal Farm, and that is 
the police state, the ever-emerging police state in this country. Uh, I'm going to open up the floor, gentlemen, if you wouldn't mind. Thank you, Pieth. FBI. Now, now before actually, before I start, I promised myself that I would do this, so I'm going to do it. We often talk about how things are worse in the United Kingdom. You know, London, there's a lot of articles coming out of just Europe in general, but specifically London that we talk about, um, where the police state is emerging and is pretty much already there, much more than the United States and much more than any of the major cities in the United States. So I'm not going to read any of these articles for any of you out there, but I do want to read the headlines of the articles for you because it's so unbelievably ridiculous that I want to – it's almost like a bit of good news for us that we're not actually here yet. And by here, it's good news, but it's bad news. It's good news because but it, we will be. Well, exactly. And I think I think that's the point of me reading it, Ben. I think I'm glad you brought that up because it's not just about ooh, ooh, look what's going on over there in the neighbor's yard. No, 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 no. This is going to happen in our yard very soon. In fact, it's happening right now, and that's why we get all crazy about privacy rights. That's why we get all crazy about surveillance. Okay. I'm going to read off. You have made me very angry. Absolutely. <laughs> that Marvin Martian. <laughs> oh, my God. That's classic. Okay, before I read these off, though, I want to put the number out there one last time. It's 914-613-3166. 914-613-3166. You can Skype us at Animal Farm Show, which is one word, or instant messages at Animal Farm Show, one word. But I'm going to read six article headlines coming out of the Daily Mail or the Guardian, or actually one of them came out of Prison Planet. Most of them came out of the Daily Mail, but here we go. Driver fined for leaving engine running as car defrosted outside his home. (laughs) What? what? (laughs) Here's the next one. Number two. Government chief advisor demands smoking ban in cars. No! I'm a non-smoker. It's ridiculous to me. Here's number three. Civil rights fears over DNA census. Eh, not a big deal. God, I love freedom. God help you. Number four, couple banned for life from shopping center and branded terrorists for taking photos of their grandchildren. <laughs> wow. Number five, new super cameras mean no hiding for drivers who smoke, eat, or use a phone. What? And number six, scientists create machine that knows what you are thinking. <laughs> I like nonsense. It wakes up the brain cells. I would challenge all of you and any of you to go to the internet. And like I said, four out of the six came out of the Daily Mail. Two of them, uh, one of them came out of the Guardian, and the other one came out of Prison Planet. Go look at these articles, folks. These are not jokes. These are real articles coming out of the, you know, the world around I, us. Okay, but I but, have an article. Well, but I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna get to all your articles, Ben, and I want to talk about so much, but. Let's also make a little bit of a transition here to America. This is an American article. But F- but but keep in mind, Go this, ahead. this article, this is the type of article that the UK had probably two years ago. It, and I'm glad you said that, Ben, because I was going to say that, and I'm yeah. glad you said that. Okay, but this is, now we're going to shift to America now, folks, because now we're, we're in a free America, we're a free country. FBI to put criminals, security issues, up in digital billboard lights. Now, those of you who have, I, I say that way too much, I'm sorry. 
anybody who's traveled on major highways, uh, 95, maybe the Garden State Parkway, you've seen these new digital billboards that now change with advertisements. Hey, yeah, I agree. They're a little dangerous for me, too. But nevertheless, yeah. FBI to put criminal security issues, security issues up in digital billboard lights. The FBI today said it wants to install 150 digital billboards in 20 major U.S. cities in the next few weeks to show fugitive mugshots, missing people, and high-priority security messages from the big bureau. The initiative is made possible through a partnership with Clear Channel, mm, Clear Channel Outdoor, the advertising company that providing that is providing the space as a public service. I they, smell fascism. Well, you well, you can go on, okay? You can talk. It goes on. It talks about the major cities. It talks about the FBI. Once again, just Google that FBI to put criminal security issues up in uh, digital billboard lights, and we're going to have more. But Ben, why don't you, why don't you bring up your article now? Okay, this this article is an article that was uh, you know like I said two years ago. It was it was mainstream in the UK. Um, this article is from Green Bay. <laughs> Believe it or not, the article's name is Police Begin Fingerprinting on Traffic Stops. Um, so they say if you're ticketed by Green Bay Police, you'll get more than a fine. You'll get fingerprinted too. No! It's a new way police are cracking down on crime. If you're caught speeding or playing your music too loud or other crimes for which you might receive a citation, Green Bay Police officers will ask you for your driver's license and your finger. Bullshit! You'll be fingerprinted right there on the spot. The fingerprint appears right next to the amount on the fine. And this is this is uh, so typical here. Police say it's meant to protect you. Everything's for pro- no Ben. Listen, everything's <laughs> for protection now. Okay, don't don't be. Uh, In case the person they're citing isn't who they yeah, claim listen. to be. Complete not, control with just the flick of a switch. But not everyone is sold on that explanation. Quote, unquote, what we've seen happen for the last couple of years is increasing use of false or fraudulent identification documents, Captain Greg Urban said. Police say they want to prevent the identity theft problems that Milwaukee has, where 13% of all violations give a false name. But in Green Bay, police say they only average about five cases a year. Drivers we talk to think the new policy is extreme. Dude, what is the population of Green Bay? Does it even say? I don't think so. It's like 47. I mean, come on. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry. I'm not to disagree, but all I'm saying is, I mean, you know, the question you have to ask yourself is, you know, what is this going to be used for, and is it really going to, uh, you know, be effective against, you know, lethal crimes or cr- lethal criminals, more importantly? And that's all. You know, it's always the question. The question that always has to be asked after any of these articles or issues come to uh, the surface of the water, so to speak, is, you know, is this really worth giving up your rights, your fundamental, and, and in many cases, in all cases, God-given rights, Ben? I hate to use that, but that's the well, fact. You know what, it's, God-given, it's a God-given right. You have freedom. It's either a God-given right or it's a, a right that's inherent to you. Yeah, either I mean, you way, know, it, it doesn't matter. But, you know, one of the things one of the things that they're doing here with fingerprinting is, is there is a national initiative to get everybody fingerprinted and databased into a spot. I mean, mm-hmm. I, I looked at – I live in I live in uh, Stratford, Connecticut, and I freaking got a, a notice home from – you know, because my daughter is a, a, in a Stratford school. I got a notice home from, uh, from people that – from people that uh, – from the police, the Stratford police that had said that they're having a fingerprinting program for children now. Oh, how fun. And, is, and it, is it color paint? It is. It's, it's a color – it, it was a colorful flyer, and I got it, and it said, um, don't worry. We will not database your child's yeah, fingerprints. We will uh, just have them stand in line like criminals, and we yeah. will have their – 
fingerprints taken in case they get kidnapped or uh, taken away. And it's basically just just getting used to having everybody get used to being a criminal. Basically. Oh, and, and, and if you if you act now, we're also going to give you a discount on the smallpox vaccine. Yeah. I mean, Jesus, good lord. I mean, how how much more can you mask this? And you know, we're going to run out of time. There's so many articles. You have the. Um, Conroy announces mandatory internet filters to protect children. Everything is now protecting children. Yes. Children need protection. Meanwhile, children are the smartest creatures walking this earth right now, mm-hmm. and they need to be protected by pornography and violence. It's okay if they go see a rated R movie with their parents that depicts heads being chopped off. They can go on the internet anytime they want and see anything they want. Yep. But now, Mr. Conroy... He's got to protect our children. Telecommunications well, ask yourself minister. This. I'm sorry to interrupt. Ask yourself this: Who are the people that are pointing nukes at each other? Is it children's or is it children or is it adults that are pointing nukes at each other? I don't believe that filtering the internet is going to protect children. Children are very smart and they're very mature, more mature than anybody gives them credit for. Believe me. And they're okay? very friendly. <laughs> they're very friendly and they're very kind. They're not and the stupid. Only, and the only children out there that aren't very kind and aren't very friendly are the are the children that have learned from their crappy adult parents. Yeah, and the internet right now is the ultimate cause for. I don't know. Maybe the Internet. word is yeah. Maybe the word is concern because you have the Ron Paul revolution, which is oh my goodness, a revolutionary act, and it's setting all kinds of records. But you also have the Infowars.coms and the PrisonPlanet.coms, and you have all the you know the rents. And the Animal Farm Show. Animal Farm Show.com, <laughs> of course. And you have all these sites that are now you know saying hey you know screw you. These are our sites, and now we're going to project our own thoughts. And whether we're right or wrong doesn't matter. The point of America is that I have the right to be an idiot and say, I believe this. You may not agree with Nazis marching in the streets, but you better believe it. You have to fight for their right to march. It's it's it's, it's fundamental. It is your right and his right and her right and whoever's right to express their freedom of speech as long as it doesn't hurt anybody. So nevertheless... I would suggest checking this out. It comes out of ABC News. I don't want to read it because it makes me angry. Conroy announces mandatory internet filters to protect children. And this guy basically says that it's going to be mandatory for all, all internet service providers, which is, you know, that's the guys who are giving you your internet, duh, to provide clean feeds or ISP filtering to houses and schools that are free of pornography and inappropriate material. Now, let me say this, Ben and Charles and Pyeth. In schools, I can understand. If you want to protect kids in schools from searching porn, fine. I don't care. In school, you should, you know, you shouldn't be searching porn in school anyway. Let's be honest. Save no. it for the house. But, you know, we're talking about ISPs. We're talking about Cablevision. We're talking about Comcast. We're talking about, you know, Time Warner, whatever the case may be. AOL. Um, you're starting to talk about preventing people from going to certain sites. Now, this is not going to just be used for pornography and violence. This is going to be used for speech sites. You know, what what this is is a step to what's happening in China. Google was told, in you know, that, that in China they they had to limit what their population could, could access on the internet, and now we're asking Americans to do the same thing. Yeah. And one of the things I've used on the Google is uh, to pull up maps. Yeah, well, you know, George, <laughs> not for nothing, but I mean, again, this is just. This is what's going on. I mean, you know, you can sit there all you want and say, oh, well, you know, I don't want little Billy to go to school and look up porn and violence. Fine, I agree with you. I mean, you reserve it for schools, but let's be honest, you know, can this at all be manipulated to stop political sites as well? I mean, look at the motivation. Tell me one child who's been literally hurt by a pornography site. I mean, let's let's just... 
put the cards on the table. Good grief. I mean, it just gets it gets I out mean, of hand at may, this point. You may be able to find a child that is hurt by them, but but think about think about how much it helps in general. Having the ability to look up absolutely anything. It's the greatest have, resource in history of man, absolutely. humankind. And, and not only that, Period. but you have, but w- whenever you look up something or a different subject, you have a hundred different people giving you their perspective on it. It's a, di- it's a wealth of information. If it wasn't that, for the internet today, Ben, we would be in the dark. We would have no idea what was going on. Right? We yeah. wouldn't have this show, nope. first of all, and much internet. more importantly, we would have no idea uh, about you know uh, events like 9-11. We wouldn't understand about the, the Bilderberg group and, and, and the people behind all these issues. We wouldn't have any idea or any reference to look up the Alex Joneses of the world. Yeah, you're right. And I think I think that that's one of the biggest things, and Charlie had just pointed out, uh, that, that you know, one of China's main things, and, and they're also they, they're known for being just a complete di- dictatorship. And Japan just did the same thing. Yeah, and, and, and one of the, the major things is, is to be able to stop the flow of information and stop free thought and stop the ability to analyze analyze things in a certain way and open discussion. I think that's, that's what the Internet's all about. And, of course, they're going to try to do that, the power elite. They want us to be ignorant. They want us sure. to be stupid. Uh, so they're going to they're gonna try their best to, to try to quell that uh, ability to gather information. You know, I, I just think that, that that's a, a very important aspect of, of human development and, and revolution in general. You know, we all – Google was condemned by government officials and public for, for agreeing to China's demands. And now now it seems like people are trying to to bring that here for us. Yeah, yeah, and, and if and nothing we need to else, fight it at every every single step. Yeah, I mean, when if if you let if you let the government regulate the internet, then you are just destroying your own freedom. You're destroying the last hope you have of understanding and and. Uh, the ability to access information that you would never be able to understand or read. So, um, you, know, you will be protecting children from uh, Ron Paul's anti-Americanism. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> uh, you know, and whatever, folks. Internet. If you if you think we're wrong, call us up next show. We'll be here next week and, and tell us where we're wrong. But we tried our best, and um, unfortunately, we're up against the end of the show. We thank you for joining us. Thanks for the calls. Absolutely. We'll see you next week. This is the Animal Farm Show signing off. Thanks, guys. See ya. Try.